1: Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast.
0: I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, king of banter and the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening?
1: I just enjoyed some Hot Pockets. How are you doing?
0: Was that what that was? That was the disgusting meal you were eating. I, was, I, I always try to guess what you're eating. Um, one time I, I thought you were eating a, a salad and you said it was a chicken sandwich. Like I'm, I'm pretty off the game on, on, on your, your eating habits. What, what type of Hot Pocket, I think, is the question everyone's going to
1: ask? Well, the flavor was Red. Okay. <laughs> <It was laughs> well, you know, I've discussed
0: this. Some concoction of red, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, here's the thing. I've discussed this with our pal, Sean Sloan, who's a huge fan of the Hot Pockets.
0: Oh, it, it is the preeminent Hot Pocket, Lean Pocket expert for sure. Right. Breakfast, and lunch, dinner, he's got it handled no matter okay.
1: what. When it comes to the Hot Pocket, Rich, there's really only two flavors there's red and there's white because they all just taste the same. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, in the red family, right, you have like maybe pepperoni. Or meatball, or you know what? But it all—it doesn't matter what the contents are. If it's red, it tastes like red. And then on the white side, you usually have like a chicken broccoli or something with ham or something goofy like that. But it doesn't matter because somehow all of the white ones taste the same. So well, it,
0: where do you? What do you? Where do you stand on like the ham and cheese, like with the yellow gooey cheese inside? No, it? no,
1: no. It's white and red. It, it, okay, yeah. all right.
0: It, it, so that's just just, <laughs> it's just not canon. That's not Hot Pocket canon. Those are then? the
1: two flavors. That's all there is to it, and. It's like it doesn't even matter. I don't even look when I grab them now. Like, if you are in the grocery store, they're always on sale because you can't give these fucking things away, so they're always like, you know, on sale for like, you know, a dollar fifty for the box, right, or two of them, or they'll be like, here is three for for three dollars. whatever.
0: Yeah, just fucking take them. Just please buy these because they're just they're always overstocked. Things, yeah. Now I
1: say yeah. I say no one buys them, but they've been around for like thirty fucking years, so someone's buying the fucking things. But anyway, so yeah, I don't even look anymore. You just grab some. You're like, all right, I want three red, and I think I'll grab two white. You know, because it's going to taste exactly the same. Those are the two Hot Pocket flavors. And, of course, you got to grab lean. There's no reason not to grab the lean pocket because lean, full flavor, doesn't matter. It's still the red and white rules still apply no matter what. So why consume the extra calories? It doesn't taste any different.
0: That's a good – That's it's similar to your, your, your soda theory as well where, like, you know – whether you're drinking regular soda or diet soda, you're probably going to die anyway because you're drinking it. Right. Like, a Hot Pocket, you're, you're not, you know, oh, why well, don't do the Lean Pockets because they're filled with chemicals? Like, no, the other ones fill with chemicals, too. It's just, a, why not do the lower calorie? You're going to probably die from whatever's inside of it anyway, so you might as well look pretty good for the next few years while while you're consuming it or whatever. Listen, so that,
1: i, I got to stay in top-peak physical condition, number one.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: And number two, there's no flavor difference whatsoever. The only flavor difference is with a Hot Pocket, as I've already described— are red and white. That's it. Otherwise, it's the same. And no matter how many times I make a hot pocket, I've probably made hot pockets thousands of times in my life. Yes, I've probably consumed two to a box. I've probably consumed 2,000 hot pockets in my life. But here's the thing I always think eh, eh, it's cool enough and burn it's my never cool. No, it's, it's
0: Joe. You can, you can wait two hours and it's never cool enough. No, the, the outside could be filled with ice and and you know you, maybe it's light to the t- you're fine you can touch it it's good you even cut it open and kind of feel on the inside and you're like all right good it's fine and then you take a first bite and your tongue's just destroyed so i think that's maybe why you can't tell the difference anymore maybe has it burned your taste buds so much then again i i don't really consume hot pockets anymore so the flavors um i i can't attest to the flavors anymore i, I i'll be honest it's probably been about 10 years since i had a uh, uh the pleasure of a hot pocket so
1: molten lava every time you take a bite into one of those fucking things and then your tongue is destroyed for like the next 18 hours like you can't taste anything right, you
0: might as well not eat anything you might as right. well just continue consuming it. that might be their thing that might be their gimmick is that we just burn your tongue so you just assume hey what's the cheapest meal I can possibly have Hot Pockets great I'll have those again and uh, I was going to ask you is there any sort of cooking method that you go are, are you strictly like because I know some people have you know for, for different things they have different cooking methods they they go about it a different way you know do, do you do your Hot Pockets just by the box throw in the microwave put them in the sleeve the little you know pocket sleeve and, and call it a day? Is that or do you have something different? Do you pan fry them? Is there some weird thing that you do with them?
1: I'm glad you asked because I do. Um I used to follow the box instructions to a T. I'm a big box instruction follower when it comes to microwave foods or things like that. You know what I mean? So if you you ever have like a, a microwave meal and it's like poke holes in the film, microwave two minutes on half power, stop, remove film, mixed item, microwave on four minutes on 75% power. And then you're like, fuck it. I'm just cooking this thing for seven minutes and seeing oh, what happens.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> 100%, all the time. Yeah. But see, I don't do that. I'll, I'll, put the film in there. I'll put the film in there and then just let it go. I'm not, I'm not taking the film off and stirring it and all that bullshit. No, not. That
1: see, big. that's the thing. I will always follow the intricate instructions. So I was always a Hot Pocket, crisping sleeve guy. But I will tell you that about two weeks ago,
0: Oh, it's breaking. Okay. All right. That's
1: right. I cook the Hot Pockets, stands the crisping sleeve. I was like, Ooh. you know what? I'm going to live Uh-oh. on the edge. I'm going to ignore the crisping sleeve. And by the way, on the box, it refers to the Hot Pocket as a sandwich. That thing is not a fucking sandwich. I don't care. <laughs> Like <laughs> it's like, if you're cooking one hot pocket sandwich, I'm like, where the fuck is the sandwich? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they, those are not sandwiches. If anything, they're like mini calzones. You know, they, right? I was
0: gonna say a, a calzone, I would not consider a sandwich. A calzone is very different than a sandwich. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not giving hot pockets uh, the sandwich treatment.
1: I am sure. dubbing the hot pocket a calzone. Are you with me on that one? It's a, it's a um, fucking yeah, calzone.
0: yeah. Like a really low quality calzone. Yeah, it's a sure.
1: bargain basement calzone is what it is. It's not a fucking sandwich. Okay. So anyway. I did it without the crisping sleeve because I'm – look, I wanted to live on the edge a little and I basically wanted to see what would happen. You know, I got to tell you, awesome results minus the crisping sleeve and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I got great results without the crisping sleeve. Okay. I also eliminated the cook time instructions. So what I'm doing now is I just cook it on the fucking paper plate for two minutes and 30 seconds. Not the three minutes. Not the 330. None of that bullshit. No crisping sleeve. Two minutes, 30 seconds, and I got to tell you what, Craig. I haven't had a single blowout yet. Anyone who has cooked a Hot Pocket knows no matter what you do, you always get the blowout. And it ruins the one that has the blowout in it because all the filling comes out. No blowouts. I think that crisping sleeve is causing the blowouts. So how about that?
0: That's okay. I'm glad I asked. I, I, I was expecting you to say, no, you dork. I, I put it in the, the sleeve. But no, this is good. We, we found some... uh it's a new one. I'm curious if any of our listeners have other uh, their their hot pocket tricks at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. You can let us know. Also, Voices Wrestling slash forums. Joe, so we got a did you really? Ton to get to did you really? Oh, sorry, what? Did
1: you really work the dopey hot pocket bit? Yes. Into plugs. Yes. For the Twitter and the forums. I did. Do you think a single person? Is going to add us with their hot pocket cooking methods. Actually, um, you know what? <laughs> That's a virtual I lock. I don't. You not know, yeah, even know okay. what I'm saying. You're, you're absolutely right. That was very clever of you. You know, that,
0: like our like our pizza tweets. Like if we were voices of pizza, we would be a much better site. I swear to God, we talk about pizza and the mentions blow up. Things go nuts. We talk about wrestling. Of course, the same things happen. But man, the pizza, people go nuts. So I think this Hot Pocket thing could, could go pretty far. I'm, I'm curious if other people just follow the rules like, like you used to until two weeks ago when you now decided to kind of veer off. And, and now I, I kind of have a... A weird taste for a hot pocket, like to, to try your method because I've had the other method and there's been the issues. The blowout is, is a huge issue where you're you're scraping it off the plate and you're like, yes. "What am I doing? This is ridiculous!" Mm. Like it's like burnt to the plate too, so it's not even good. Yeah. Like the gooeyness comes out and you're like scraping it off and it's all crusty. It's like, what am I doing with my life? But, like, but really you eat that here?
1: you you eat that giant pile of crust though, don't you? Oh, you put it right uh, in oh, your forgot. mouth. Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, absolutely. And but, it's um, crunchy
1: and it doesn't just taste like anything anymore. And then your hot pocket is empty. It's completely deflated because you had your blowout. But you should go grab a... They're like $2, Kreech. Go... Yeah, exactly.
0: I have no choice. Tr- yeah, pick,
1: pick red or white, whatever you prefer. <laughs> i <I'm> red. I <laughs> think just, I'm a red guy. I'm a red... I'm, I'm usually a red guy. I'm usually a red guy.
0: Uh, but I was saying that. Uh, yeah, com slash forums at voice wrestling on Twitter. This is an ad-free show, so this is good. No more ads, no more delays, no more uh hiccups nothing else going on no ads for the show we'll definitely tell you though if you can go to voicewrestling.com and support the website click around uh, do all that stuff that'd be awesome also uh use us for amazon as well voicewrestling.com slash amazon any purchase you make on amazon you do it through that link we get a little bit back and that helps us out a lot the uh, the new fire pro game we've had a uh, a good success uh, putting that up um for people that have been pre-ordering it or whatever that's been giving us a ton of different uh uh you know revenue and stuff cuz it's like hey if you're going to order the game anyway through Amazon you might as well do it through our link makes it a lot easier so we have that up in the show notes as well if you're going to check out the new Fire Pro uh for PS4 but uh, let's get into this cuz we got money in the bank we got takeover we got G1 climax cards uh we got big cast gone we have ROH losing MSG and WWE strong arming the Madison Square Garden uh but we'll start off with some sad news here uh Vader unfortunately this news came up uh, earlier this morning that uh Big Van Vader, of course, Leon White, real name, uh, passed away. Uh, what was the exact? So he passed away on Monday night, correct? And we just heard about it today, if I remember correctly. It was um, a, a tweet from his uh, his son taking over his Twitter account. Uh, it said, It is with heavy heart to inform everybody that my father, Leon White, passed away on Monday night, uh, 618 at approximately 725 p.m. Around a month ago, my father was diagnosed with a severe case of pneumonia. I uh, fought extremely hard and was clinically, uh, and, and clinically was making progress. Unfortunately, on Monday, his heart had enough, and it was his time. So that was the end the unfortunate end for uh, Leon White, Big man Vader. He was 63 years old. Uh, obviously, had a litany of health issues. Uh, the, the the noted. He, he told everybody he was in heart failure a few years ago, and that you know he was really hoping to get to the WWE Hall of Fame. A bunch of stuff like that. The the Will Osprey match. The different things that kind of happened to him in recent memory. I think he did uh, some uh, matches with a Tradition, I believe, in, in Japan last year as well. But for the most part, he had been kind of out of the uh, out of the limelight. Last American match, I believe, was against Bram at <laughs> TNA House Show, and the most odd thing in the world is a TNA House Show with Bram and Vader. But that was his last. Uh, U.S. Uh, shot, but uh, Joe, we've we've talked a little bit about Vader on, on this show, probably more in the past than we have uh, these days because he's not really as relevant anymore. But um, what are your memories of Vader? What, what do you think about Vader? I think we we mentioned it on Twitter uh, a little bit of our thoughts, but uh, for people that maybe don't follow us or whatnot, what what are your uh, what are your memories and, and, and thoughts on the passing of, uh, of Vader?
1: Um, couple corrections: I'm pretty sure the brand match was on Impact. I don't think it was a house show, um, but I'm sure our good friend Garrett Kidney will uh, correct. One of us, because one of us is going to be wrong. Um, But I I think it was an episode of Impact, which is bizarre that, if that is the case, his final televised match was an Impact match against Bram, which is just completely bizarre to think about. But also, Randy Savage's final um, televised match would have been an Impact match. Right, 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 right. So, you know, it's, it's a little odd in that way. And I think his son screwed up something with the tweet because he said Monday night but he got the date wrong he said 618 Monday of oh Monday would have been 618 right yeah yeah
0: we're recording this on Monday, so yep.
1: yeah so never mind so yeah so it was uh, Monday 618 as far as my thoughts on Vader I uh, tweeted it out earlier today um, at Voices Wrestling for my money he's the best big man of all time Um, you know there was just a different level of ferocity with him he's just Vader uh, you know he was a scary dude you know and if you came up as a fan at the right time. Um, I saw who's the dude that does that ROH, uh, podcast. Um, Trevor Dane, right? Is that his name?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Dane.
1: Okay. So he tweeted this out and he's dead on. He, he, he said that, and I'm paraphrasing that Vader was the, one of the few wrestlers when he was a kid that he was legitimately afraid of. And I totally get what he's saying. He, he, when he says that because um i assume that i'm around you know the same age as that guy because i was probably 11 or 12 years old or whatever when vader you know started working wcw or whatnot or around that age and um he was this he was legitimately he's one of those wrestlers that comes off legitimately frightening um he just had an aura about him um he could you know he he came off like a guy who could beat the shit out of you, but he was also super agile. I mean, everyone knows he was a 400 pounder doing moon salts. Um, there, there's a lot of guys now who are his size, who are comparable athletes. I mean, he was an NFL player. You know, he played for the Rams. Um, wasn't a star player or anything like that, but he was a great athlete. But there are guys now who are his size who are comparable athletes. Uh, you know, and and this isn't meant to be any disrespect towards any of these people, but you know, someone like Keith Lee comes to mind. Another guy who's an excellent athlete, does super athletic things for a big guy, but they didn't have the aura that, that Vader has, and I think that's really what set him apart. Uh, you you really felt like this guy was especially when he wrestled jobbers. I mean, his squash matches are some of the best of all time. And- oh, my God. Oh, they're the best.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because you feel you feel for those guys. And a lot of times they you know, were getting hurt a little bit, too. But yeah, it's just uh, yeah, he had a violence uh, uh, offense, which is just incredible. Yeah, it's just it, it holds up remarkably well, too. And that's that's over the course of the day. I've been watching a lot of, uh, of Vader matches and, and, and kind of going back. And, and this is one of those guys that. And I, and I think we've mentioned this on the show, if not, but like, he's one of those guys that you can just so easily go back and watch a match of, and it holds up remarkably well. Like anything that he does, all of his stuff in WCW, almost all the stuff in, in New Japan that he did, the, the All Japan run that we're going to talk about here in a bit, uh, Noah, and like almost everything holds up really well when you watch it. The only thing that doesn't hold up is, is the WWF run, and that's just kind of like a really disappointing run if you've watched anything else and know what he's capable of. But like that, that you know, WCW run, the, the matches with Sting, the match with Flair that we did on the uh, uh, Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. I mean that that is some incredible stuff. That ninety two ninety three Vader stuff is just next level great.
1: You know it's funny, and um, I promise I'm not going to splinter this off into a side rant. But it's funny how Vader was a guy who who got over all over, literally all over the world. Whether it was Mexico, Japan, multiple promotions on multiple Austria, continents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Europe. I mean, any promotion he went to, he eventually you know rose to the top and became the top guy. Every single place he worked, every promoter figured out how to make money with Vader, except Vince McMahon. I mean, it's amazing that Vince McMahon got Vader over the least out of any promoter in the world, um, which kind of plays into my theory about Vince McMahon, which, you know, uh, you can go listen to old episodes if you want to hear that. But it's just another example of Vince McMahon, you know, being overrated. I mean, how do you not get Vader over? How do you not make a shit ton of money with Vader? How do you get a hold of Vader and... I mean, let's call it what it is. His run there was essentially a failure. I mean, I know he worked main events and, and that sort of thing, the Shawn Michaels feud, which really probably sunk him because Shawn Michaels didn't like him, and Shawn Michaels had all the stroke then, and I know that's a point you want to make. I'm not going to steal your thunder because I know a point that you want to make here, but that's just a, one example of it. Um, and then and then from there, he picked up some more heat along the way. I get that those things were factors, but he got over the least in that company. And, and not only that, it seems like a guy who would have been tailor-made for Vince McMahon. You know, a a big monster heel. That's the one thing that, like, Vince arguably does super well and never whiffs on. But he whiffed on Vader. I mean, you know, regardless of where Vader worked on the card, uh, he had his worst and most disappointing run for WWE. And you can't even argue that he was washed up because when he left, he went to all Japan and killed it. And then he went to Noah and fucking killed it. In fact, I think he did so well when he went back to Japan, if I'm not mistaken, he won, like, uh like observer awards for for like uh, various awards for like comeback wrestler of the year or most improved he won most improved wrestler of the year when he was like 40 years old when he went back to Japan because he was so bad at the end there and it was so di- well, maybe not bad is probably the wrong word but so disappointing in WWE Hey, he goes to Japan, and it turns out this guy's not washed up. He yeah, 1999,
0: it. most improved for, <laughs> for, for you know Vader, which is incredible, because he won Most Outstanding Wrestler in 1993, and then improved, quote-unquote, uh, in 1999, but that's how it was, because it was, like, this guy's toast, this guy's done, I mean, the last few years of those, the, the WWF thing was so bad and so awful that it was just like, well, forget it, this guy's done, there's no point in, in seeing him, and then he goes to all Japan and just kills it with him. I was watching a, a, a Kawada match earlier, it was just incredible to watch, like, he's still in his prime, he got himself in shape, and you could tell he was reinvented the have stuff really kind of dragged him down a little bit? And, that, and that's one of the unfortunate things about Vader, and probably a point you were alluding to, is that he really, at the time when, when US wrestling got super popular, he unfortunately got chewed up and spit out by like the power brokers of, of that... Kind of mid nineties wrestling, wrestling the Attitude Era, whatever. Hulk Hogan obviously comes in, you know, to to WCW. Obviously Vader's doing great stuff in WCW. 92, 93. He's really killing it. I mean, I think he came in and, and he was already in there by ninety one, I believe, uh, as well, and is doing great stuff. <clears throat> you know, Hogan comes in, and the first guy that Hogan <clears throat> kind of goes after the big first big monster is, is Vader. And you know, there's the power bomb that you know Hogan kick, kicks out of right away. He doesn't lose to Vader. He just beats him a bunch of times, and eventually you have the the issue with uh, you know the Paul Orndorff fight or whatever that, that that lost Vader. But he you could tell that he was probably gonna get lost in the shuffle anyway it was Hulk Hogan was was kind of taking over that company was gonna bring in his own quote-unquote monsters his own guys so he kind of was launched from WCW while he was still kind of in his peak and then shows up in WWE and does an incredible first angle the beating up a gorilla monsoon everything that ensued everything in the build of SummerSlam was perfect and then he was you know uh, four inches away from where Shawn Michaels wanted him and that basically ended his entire you know DF thing, because Michael said he didn't want to work with him anymore. I think if I remember correctly that Vader was supposed to win at Survivor Series, and gonna actually win the title and 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 then Michaels would win it back at uh, Royal Rumble. So, you know, Sid did that. it ended up, you know, Sid took that place for Vader, and they they went back to Vader a bunch of times. So over the next two years or whatever, it just never stuck and it it, it just couldn't never get there because he wasn't he didn't really play the backstage game all that much. And and yeah, he had his own issues and whatnot, but you just you, you it sucks because yeah, it's like the the time when he probably could have had the most eyeballs on him, the most you know, most prominent you know eras that he wrestled in, the most prominent places in America, and it was just like he's kind of you know was kind of lost in there. So I I hate that the narrative is kind of what he was in WWF and what he maybe was in the later years of WCW, and not what he was in in, in New Japan, you know. Doing his amazing debut in New Japan and, and what he did there and what he did in his early days at WCW and then like you said that, that that all Japan run is one that if you have not gone back and watched those matches I think a lot of them are available on YouTube if you can't really find them but um yeah just the matches I mean him having these big time singles matches with the Kobashi with the you know Kawada with, with those guys and just killing it as one, well. then he said, like, the Noah thing, even, even a tag team with Scorpio, like, the most random thing ever, it's awesome, it's, like, really cool stuff, so yeah, he had great runs before and after, but it just kind of stinks that, like, that middle part is just such a drag, and unfortunately that's kind of, it being Wwf and it being the big prominent area, that's sort of, unfortunately, one of the big narratives on his career, is that he was, like, this disappointment, or he didn't live up to, you know, the, the, what he was supposed to, but no, I mean, he was a superstar in Japan, uh, UWFI, uh, you know, doing stuff with New Japan, UWFI, um, yeah, early WCW, I mean, he absolutely killed it in that first run and then that subsequent run as well. But, yeah, it just kind of stinks at that middle. is just so, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, literally a world champion and the top guy every place he went except for WWF, so...
0: There was one point, uh, I, I Dave was talking about it today on the Observer uh, breaking news thing, that there was a point, I think he had like four or five different titles and like three different continents at one point. Like, he was he was WCW champion, he was UWI champion, he was uh, whatever, the Austrian, I'm blanking on, the, on on that company as well. Like, he was somehow, and maybe in Mexico he had one too, he had like yeah. four freaking titles at once and like these big-time companies all in different countries. It was pretty incredible.
1: The formula was simple with this guy. I mean, you just let him come in and maul people. It really was that simple. Just put him over as an unstoppable, uh, uh, you know, monster. And, uh, and, and then you go from there. Um, and then uh, slowly you have, you know, your valiant baby faces chip away at him. I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty simple formula. I don't know how you botch Vader. I really don't, um, uh, or, or screw that up. But, um, you know, um, my favorite big man of all time to me, the best big man of all time, because he could do everything. He could do it all. And, um, you know, he, he was 63 years old. You know, this wasn't a. This was a 400-pound man who died of a heart attack at 63. I mean, you know, it, look, he lived. he lived pretty full life. Um, you know, you're not gonna live long when you're carrying around 400 pounds. Um, you know, all that time. If you go through his Twitter feed, you know, he went when he went to the doctor. His son convinced him to go to the doctor, and he had like 10 blocks of arteries, and the doctor had no idea how he was even alive. And, um, you know, they they did the uh, the open heart surgery, I believe, on him, and he lived a couple more months, but um. But, but, yeah, um, that's, that's uh, you know, what, what ultimately brought him his fame and, and ultimately, you know, um, uh, made him famous in this world uh, of pro wrestling uh, really worldwide is, is, is ultimately what killed him because, you know, being a big, huge, uh, uh, intimidating dude, uh, that, that's the downside, that's the rub. This is why every NFL offensive lineman, a year after they retire, you don't, you can't recognize them anymore. They immediately drop the weight, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, cause it's, it's just humans aren't meant to carry around, you know, 350, 400 pounds on their body. We're just, we're just not supposed to do that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Vader passes away. Um, and, uh, I would strongly recommend, I look today, he has 25 matches on New Japan World. A lot of them are classics. Um, there's a lot of tag stuff with Bigelow. There's a lot of IWGP heavyweight title matches. In fact, today, one of the matches I watched was a uh, the 1990 Ricky Choshu title win over Vader. I believe it's uh, 8, eight nineteen ninety, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, oh, that one's awesome. Um, the
0: crowd's fucking molten. Molten crowd. Look, look, it. look. it's yeah. look, it,
1: if you're expecting like a five-star <laughs> classic, you're not going to get it. Um, it's relatively short. But what it is, is is the turning point in the match is Choshu... Uh, go, you know, he hits him with like a lariat on the eye because he had just came off those two matches with Stan Hansen, the one where his eye got accidentally poked out. And then a second match where Hansen like bloodied up his eye. So the story there was, and when Choshu hits that lariat on his eye, you know, the roof comes off the place. Um, and, 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 you know, Choshu wins that match and wins the title from Vader. And then I watched a couple tag matches. The, uh, I watched the famous, um, you know, Hase uh, Muto tag match against, uh, uh, Vader and Bigelow today. I've seen that one a million times, but that's the one where, where Hase is a bloody mess and, um, and he just can't overcome, uh, you know, Vader and Bigelow in the end. Uh, but that's, that's a, that's a classic match. I mean, they're all there. I mean, the Inoki match, uh, uh there's a couple of Inoki matches actually. Um, there's a tag match, uh, uh, the, the, the the Bigelow Vader versus the Steiners is on there. Um, there's actually a match versus Doom that I don't ever remember watching. Um, I want to get to that one. I've, I've seen the Steiners match, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, from, from 1987 to about 1991, which was really his whole run, I think he might have. Yeah, that was his New Japan run, I think, was 87 to 91. and So there's matches spread out through the whole run. On New Japan World. As far as WWE Network, if you want to rock some Vader, look, it's all there. I mean, everything he ever did, basically, in WCW or WWE, I mean, every pay per view match is there, uh, you know, obviously. Anything he did on Monday Night Raw is there, obviously. I mean, the only things you're going to be missing are maybe some oh, those awesome squashes from like. You know, the 605 show or, or, or... Yeah,
0: I'm sure Monsoon Classic has those. If you go to the Monsoon Classic YouTube page and just type in Vader, I'm, I, I think you'll be fine if you just want to watch Vader just fucking maul people. I think, yeah, a Monsoon Classic search for, for just Vader uh, will do you quite well. As far as, you know, network stuff, you were, you were saying one, you know, a few that I would sort of recommend... Uh, The In Your House Final Four, I believe that's on February 1997, it's Bret Hart, Steve Austin, Taker, Vader, that one's really good, Vader, that's the one, the famous picture where he's just a bloody mess, Uh, it was on the cover of uh, WWF Magazine uh, as well, also, the SummerSlam one is fine, like, you know, Shawn Michaels throws a hissy fit, but I think that match is pretty good, uh, all things considering, and then, yeah, unfortunately there's not a ton else, I think in... Maybe July of 97, Taker and Vader had a match that I think was pretty okay, but that's, that's about it, unfortunately, in terms of those. So I think your best bet would be, uh, you know, check out that In Your House Final Four. That's a legitimately good match. The the, the SummerSlam 96 is a really legitimately good one as well. But then maybe just go and, and, and do a Monsoon Classic search for Vader. Then I will say as well, if you're on the WWE Network, the WCW stuff is incredible stuff. We, we talked about the Vader-Rick uh, Flair match from uh, December 1993 on our uh, Joe and Rich Recommend Random Matches to Each Other on our Patreon Voice Wrestling dot uh, com slash Patreon. That's a great one uh, as well. December ninety two uh, Vader Sting is a really awesome one to watch. Uh, February ninety three uh, uh, Vader Sting. Like basically anytime Vader and Sting are in a pay per view, I think it was. I forget the order. It was Super Brawl, Starcade, whatever. There's there's three of them that are kind of all in a line and they all kind of work in, in matches together. Definitely check those ones out. Uh, of course, him um, versus Jack Jacket Halloween. I think it was Halloween Havoc ninety three is one that's pretty famous as well. Uh, just kind of a big uh, you know big brawl there. And then, uh, yeah, some stuff that I watched as well earlier today. I went into a little bit of his UWFI stuff, kind of the shoot-style wrestling stuff. Uh, Takata Super Vader from August eighteenth, nineteen 1994. I am telling you, go out of your way and see that match. That is awesome. I have never seen that match before. Incredible heat, awesome atmosphere uh, for that as well. I know he had a few other ones as well. He had one against uh, Tamora as well, which I didn't like nearly as much, but that uh, Takata Super Vader was really good. Uh, there's a few of those as well, and then like we said, that All Japan run. There's a great Akiyama match. There's great Kawada matches. Uh, there's Kobashi stuff, I and mean, there's there's it's all there. I mean, it's really awesome how much uh, he did in an All Japan run. But yeah, there's plenty to watch on, on all the different streaming services and and on YouTube as well. But uh, yeah, there's there's plenty to watch of Vader. So if you uh, it's a good time to kind of you know, unfortunately it is because of his death that people kind of go and, and rediscover these people. But you know, this is a great opportunity to go and, and, and really dig into Vader because like I said, that stuff holds up so well. I can always watch a Vader match and 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 almost all always feel rewarded and fulfilled. I never, I, I really honestly, like, like, other than his WWF run, watched the Vader match and said, ah, eh, that was just, that kind of sucked. Like, there's always a certain aura to him. There's always something to them. There's always something rewarding. You feel like you always got something out of every match that he had. Um, which is is an incredible feat for, you know, wrestler especially of his size. I mean, he never it never felt like he was dogging it, you know what I mean? It always felt yeah. like he was giving it his all and that, that there was just a different like feeling when he came out. There was just a different aura in the match. The second the bell rang, people knew shit was going to go down no matter what, and that's always kind of cool to watch.
1: Yeah, 99 if, you know, cuz I assume a lot of listeners are very familiar with the WCW and WWF runs and maybe even a lot of the New Japan stuff. But the 99 run In all japan right before the exodus i mean he wrestled everybody um there's the famous misawa match there's the kobashi match that you referenced a couple times he has a really famous match against junakiyama um from from i think 99 or 2000 also
0: it's uh it's it's january 23rd 2000 for those looking for it
1: yeah so i mean it's it's that run i think might be you know aside from the european and 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 lucha stuff which I haven't seen much, if, if at all, from, from, from those runs either. But if we're talking U.S. and Japan, um, I think the, the All-Japan – because, look, it's obviously not as accessible. I mean, you got to do a little digging to find that stuff now. Uh, you know, people were – I saw people sending you links to some of the UWFI stuff and things like that. But you, it's like you got to search a little. But it's out there if you want to find that stuff. And obviously, the stuff with Sting and Cactus Jack and Ric Flair and WSW uh, jumps out, and stands out, and and you mentioned the WWF. Uh, but the thing, the thing about Vader too, with, with his WWF stuff, I bet you if you comb through those Raws, there's some hidden gems, because he's the kind of wrestler where he was, you know, in, in, until the tail end there was where it was pretty bad. He was always pretty. He could be interesting in a four-minute Raw match. You know, if he was stiffing somebody or tossing them yeah, around, I or I think
0: I don't remember if this was on pay per view or on Raw, but there's like a random Ken Shamrock Vader match where they just go in and just start like fucking brawl, like it's just like a shoot fight. I like I have no idea. They just go absolutely nuts. I think okay, I'm looking it up. I think it's a Cold Day in Hell. It's uh, it's one of the in your house Cold Day in Hells from uh, May 1997. It's like. F- you know, I think it's like 13 minutes or something like that. They just go in and just start brawling with each other. It's incredible. Yeah, like I said, there there probably is a lot more. Yeah, there probably is a little bit more of that digging there uh, if you kind of go in and look at those raws and stuff. Because yeah, he could have a super entertaining three minute match. You know, he he was that type of guy who who could fit into TV wrestling quite well.
1: He's got a couple freak show matches on New Japan World too. He's got a match against El Higante uh, from January fourth. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. from a dome show in '92, and then he's got a match against like Tony Halme. Um, you know, so who knows what those are about? I I don't think I've seen either one of those, but, you know, there's a little bit of everything there on New Japan World too. Look, Vader stuff is out there if you want to see it. I mean, there's really, uh, you know, no excuse if you're, if you're not super familiar with them, if you want to get schooled on them, if you want to see what the fuss is about. I mean, you know, I'm sure you have one. If you're listening to this show, there's a good chance you subscribe to New Japan World or WWE Network or probably both. So, uh, the stuff's out there. I highly recommend Vader's great, you know, and I'm going to watch a lot of Vader over the next couple of days for sure.
0: All right, Joe, let's get to some of the events that happened over the weekend. Plenty to cover in here. So we got – we'll start with WWE, and then we'll get into some of the G1 stuff here. But we'll start with uh, NXT TakeOver, uh, TakeOver Chicago on Saturday nights. Of course, main evented by uh, Ciampa and Gargano. Also, you had Aleister Black versus Lars Sullivan. A bunch of other stuff on there. Before we kind of break down match by match and and, and – you know, kind of dig deep into those uh, overall thoughts on uh, takeover Chicago. We kind of went into it saying, ah, you know, it's, we we enjoy the build, but never bet against the takeover. Is this yet another example of, of takeover delivering when maybe we, you know, are maybe I want to say cold on the on the the build, but maybe lukewarm on the build, or maybe not as you know invested in the build as we were. But when it's all said and done, did you enjoy the show uh, a ton?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great show. I think um, you know, I, but I will say this: I do think. The overall feedback on the show is a little colder than usual. Um, I still think that mostly everything I've seen, the reviews I've read and everything, everyone has enjoyed this show, but I'm seeing a lot of... More so than usual, I'm seeing a lot of, ah, this show was overrated, this match wasn't as good as people are saying, the the ta- the previous TakeOver Chicago was better. Like I'm seeing a lot of that with this show. So I don't think people in general, are viewing this as one of the top takeovers. Sometimes you have these takeovers and people are like, that is a top five takeover. This blew my fucking mind. People aren't, I, I feel like I might be, you know, one of the stronger advocates of this show, um, which was not the case with New Orleans. New Orleans, I was probably on the lower end of people in terms of, of, of what's up with New Orleans. So, um, yeah, but yeah, my opinion, I yeah, I thought I thought it was a great show.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I think a lot of what you're... you're you know, your thoughts on, like, people, if they're, if they're going to be kind of down on it. I think a lot of it's going to depend on the main event, which is, is interesting because I don't think you're very high on the main event, but you were pretty high on the rest of the show. but um Because I'm with you. I, I thought it was a really great show. I don't know if I'd put it in that, that upper echelon of takeovers because there, there's been a few uh, that have really kind of, uh, you know, maybe over overachieved it to mar- marks that I, I couldn't even believe. I mean, the last year's uh, Takeover Chicago that I was there live, that was a really, really great show, uh one of the better ones. But, yeah, I think this one held up remarkably well. I don't think it's one of the worst takeovers ever. I don't think it's anywhere close. Uh, it's one of the worst takeovers, so yeah, I enjoyed it a lot because I thought the undercard really overdelivered delivered in a lot of ways And, and I think let's, before we kind of get into the undercard, which I think will be the interesting part uh, Let's talk about the main event though, the Chicago Street Fight, Ciampa versus Gargano I know uh, you've kind of given your thoughts a little bit on Twitter, I've given my thoughts a little bit as well But I'll start with you, uh, what did you think of this match? Went 35 minutes, a uh, little over 35 minutes I should say Ciampa gets this surprise victory over Johnny Gargano um, I've seen a lot of, it's a very polarizing match. Some people think it's incredible. And then there's some people that are pretty down on it. Where, where do you stand?
1: I think you mischaracterized me a little. I liked it. Um, now th- there was parts of it. I didn't like, I liked it better than the New Orleans match, which I don't know if that, Really? Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. That's, the, I, I do not agree with that, but that's fine. That's,
1: that's I, be, I, good, I, good look, thoughts. the New Orleans match I thought was, 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 was kind of boring. Um, this match grabbed my attention from the start and it held my attention all the way through. Um, I, I like the intensity. I liked... Um, but 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 my gripe is when it got to... What is this new deal in WWE lately where in the middle of a match we zoom the camera in on the participants and they start reading off a speech to each other? What is with this? And why are they doing it? And why do I hate it so much? I can't stand it. You've got Gargano dragging Ciampa up the ramp and then all of a sudden they're like cutting promos on each other mid-match. Just melodramatic bullshit. And... That really hurt the match for me um, once it they got into that territory. But up until that point, it was fine. Um, it, it was about the same length as New Orleans, but for whatever reason to me, this one, even with all that bullshit towards the end, it felt considerably shorter. The New Orleans match, I could not fucking wait for it to end. I was just waiting around like, please fucking end this. I want to move on with my day. I'm not interested in this. This match I was interested in, but they, they did get a little too corny towards the end, with the uh, cutting promos on each other, and then, um, you, know, you know, did you have a problem with Gargano delivering whatever that move is called, uh, the 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 Finley gimmick, the um, uh, air raid drive? What do they call that shit? The thing you put him through the table with. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I forget what he calls it, yeah.
0: but yeah, that's because so, we're idiots. Yet. I'm going to look it up because people are screaming yeah. right now and tweeting at us. So let let's let me look it up before anybody says because all, the, we all know the, what was, yeah, everybody yeah. knows what we're talking about. We just have no and, listen, uh, Andrew Rich Hurt, and all. He, well, he used to call it. He, he used to call it the Hertz Donut, but I don't think he calls it that anymore.
1: Yeah. Andrew uh, Rich and all the you, moves, you, right? Uh, Andrew Rich and all the moves geeks are screaming at the thing. But I, listen, but yeah. I, we don't know the names of these fucking. Moves. But anyway, so he puts him through the table. And um, Air Raid Crash, right? Now it's called? Air Raid Crash. Somebody called. We'll call it I don't know. Whatever. And it's like, that really should have been the finish. I mean, you know, it's like, it didn't take him very long to recover <laughs> from that incredibly devastating maneuver off of, uh, you know, through the table of it. And it's like, so it got a little, the match did ended up getting a little too haughty towards the end, but. Uh, I did like it better than New Orleans, and look, I thought it was a, a really good look. I liked uh, Ciampa tearing up the fucking ring mat, and and uh, and how that played into uh, the eventual finish and those sorts of things. So I don't know. I I thought it was a very good match. I, I liked it better than New Orleans.
0: <clears throat> I think uh, area crash is the correct term. I, I the, the Hurt Stoneout is like that Sto thing that he did, uh, if you remember in, in Evolve. I forget if he calls it anything now, but the area crash is is, is what. You were kind of referring to. Um, as far as me, I, I, I kind of, I heard your thoughts a little bit on the takeover. I thought the takeover got uh, the, the takeover New Orleans, I should say. I uh, went a little bit long, and there was a point where it was all done. And I, I think I tweeted that out too. It's like I love the match; I really adored it, but it was just like, all right, let's let's go home, guys. Let's 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 get the you know the show on the road. Whereas this one, I don't feel like I felt that. I was kind of energized by the match the entire time. For me, my big criticism and the reason why I don't really like it nearly as much as the the, the New Orleans one is, I just felt it got too tropey. It got too WWE main eventy. It got we had the stretch. We had, you know, oh, my God, these guys are dead, and now they're okay. You're like, that sort of thing where one minute these guys are are, are dead and the next they're doing – I just, to me, that 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 is reserved for your spear through the barricade WWE main events. That happen every single time. A guy goes to the table, oh, my God, he's dead. Put him on the stretcher. Okay, he's fine. There was a little too much of that, of the guy coming back from the dead and then doing something more in this one, where, you know, the New Orleans one felt more like a fight. It felt like these guys were legitimately having a fight in the ring, and, and it was all about that, and, and there wasn't that thing where where people were – we're just going through tremendous danger, and then immediately five minutes later, coming back and doing whatnot too. And and there's some other little logic holes in, in in the you know the uh, the takeover one as well because the referee was down for like 25 minutes. There's Ciampa doing visual taps, and you know you had the officials coming out and Gargano. It just got to me like Gargano beating up the officials and all that sort of stuff. I love the finish. The finish of of him sliding in and getting the DDT hit on the you know the exposed ring was that was awesome. That was really cool. I just think there was a part there was about 10 or 15 minutes where it was just like they were emptying their bag of tropes. There was a table spot into a neck brace into an, oh my God, he's dead. And oh my God, he's okay now. And you know, let's put him in the handcuffs and let's beat up you know officials and whatnot. It just got a little too much for me. And that, that's where I kind of, a bit, i mean i still enjoyed the match all in all but i think it just got a little too over the top a little too tropey like you said a little too raw in terms of the the the, the corniness for me and that's that sort of took me away from it a little bit it it, it just yeah it's just, it, it, just kind of i don't know it just got a little too much for for me and and i understand it's a street fight it's whatever they're trying to do it but there was just a little too much you know overdone over dramatic over dramatized stuff yeah. i thought in the match
1: yeah look I, that was my problem with the build And, you know, I, as I coined it, you know, Johnny Gargano, melodramatic bullshit. And that's kind of what this evolved, devolved into. I mean, it, it started off as just a really hot brawl, you know, and it was, you know, and it just, it got a little too heavy. These are the kind of matches. I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like they're like, they'd be exhausting to watch again. Like, I don't know if I'd ever want to just casually flip on one of these two matches for my fucking Sunday background noise if I'm. You know, having a lazy fucking weekend. These are like thick, heavy fucking matches that I don't think. Like I'm flipping on these Vader matches and just enjoying them for what they are. And you know, you don't have to. These matches, I feel like I'd have to take a deep breath before I put them on. I don't know. It just. And here's the other thing too. Like obviously, you know, Champa wins and obviously is continued. How do they go backwards from this? These guys can never just get in the ring and have a fucking 15-minute match where they're exchanging arm drags now. Because they've already... Every match they've had have been like these no DQ, uh, no rules, let's handcuff each other, uh, send each other out on stretchers. Now every match they have has to be that. You can't just have ring the fucking bell and have a standard match. So where does this go from here? And how the fuck is this not over? Like Where do, where do you take this now? What can you possibly do? You've already done two essentially you call them whatever you want but they've done no two no disqualification you know street fight esque matches you have to do another one now which means we're in store for this again am i wrong
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what they do with this. That's why the the, the result surprised me as much as it did because my thought when it's over is like, oh, shit, well, we got another month at the center. We got another whatever because Gargano's got to get his revenge, right? Or maybe they they don't and they just move on. But the problem is, and and you brought it up exactly, is you go through all this stuff. You do this gigantic spectacle match or whatever. This is a match that's perfect if one guy is moving up. If Gargano wins and moves to the main roster or whatever, Ciampa wins and moves to the main roster, Ciampa wins and retire, something like that. Somebody has to go because now there's this weird dynamic that and I don't know if it bothers you, but it bothers me a little bit when you have all this sort of stuff happen and then I'm supposed to believe like the next week on NXT TV, like they'll come out separately. You know what I mean? Ciampa will come out and cut a promo and then Gargano will come out a few weeks later and cut a promo and have a normal match or whatever. Like there's almost no going back from this for either of the guys, even if they're not fighting one another. It's just like this amazing thing. Like the the, the NXT is not big enough for the both of them. And, and and when you have one of these matches like this, you now I think have to somebody has to go. Somebody's gotta move up and do something, but I don't think they're in a position to do that. So I guess we're just getting in again. I I mean, that's, I suppose, what you could do, but what the hell else can you do other than lighting each other on fire? Like, you know what? Like, there's nothing more to do. They've done it all. I mean, you could put it in a cage, but that's... I, I like this was the apex of it. I mean, this is this was it, so I, I don't know.
1: They'll do Hell in a Cell or something, probably. Um, you know, but it'll be in the same vein as these. It'll be another, you know, I mean... But again, right. we, again, you've already ripped up the fucking ring mat and handcuffed each other and done moves off of the fucking stage through tables. And yeah, it's... it's it really... Should have been. I mean, a lot of people thought New Orleans was a blow off and this should have been some type of blow off, but it's clearly not. So uh, the, the theory going around is Tommaso Ciampa will beat Aleister Black and then Gargano will finally vanquish both Ciampa and his goal of winning the title by eventually beating Tommaso Ciampa. Probably they'll time that out for WrestleMania, right? You would think? I d I don't know. I could they- I'd imagine
0: but man, that's exhausting. I think we have, you know, six more months of Ciampa coming out, not saying words and waving to people for, you know, another six months. Yeah. So I cool. mean
1: maybe you do like a, a Hell in the Cell or something or 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 like SummerSlam or Ciampa wins the title at some point and then at, maybe you do your Hell in the Cell deal at At Rumble. I I don't know, but I mean, maybe they peak it for Rumble then. Maybe WrestleMania is stretching it out too long. I don't know, but I I can't imagine it's over. I can't imagine Gargano doesn't come out ahead. He has to come out ahead at some point. He can't lose the feud.
0: Right. Yeah. No, no. He's he's winning the feud one way or another. Yeah.
1: This is not a feud where the babyface is going to lose. This is, and, and nor should it be. I mean, I'm in favor of that a lot of the time, but not in this case. You can't, you can't have him lose the feud. So this has to continue. Um, we we did a, I did a lot of complaining about it but I I did really think it was a really you know great fucking match but it that look great matches can have flaws you know that's the other thing too that I think sometimes people lose sight of you can watch a great wrestling match and concede that it has some some pretty important flaws oh sure um, yeah absolutely you know so um that's kind of where I stand with this one it just got to be a little bit too much Oh, uh, let's, uh, let's actually
0: go to the let's go. I, I think we can maybe do this where we'll go from the bottom now. Uh, so we talked about the main event. Yeah, right sure. Let's go uh, <laughs> to the opener because I think everything else we're, we're going to talk about. I think uh, uh, we we both have you know pretty similar thoughts on. Uh, but we'll start with the opener here. Undisputed Eric Kyle Riley and Roderick Strong uh, defend their titles against Oney Lorcan and Danny Burch. They uh, successfully defend those titles. I should say uh, in I think the surprise sleeper match of the night, man. This match fucking rocked. It, I, I I don't know your thoughts on it. We haven't discussed it, man. But I this. Arguably my favorite match of the entire night. I had no idea these guys would deliver as much as they did, I, and I should have because I mean, there's a lot of talented guys in there. But man, I really love this one.
1: Yeah, it's a great fucking match. I mean, they just went out there and killed it. Um, and it was a, uh, it was weird in that undisputed era. You know, we're getting all the babyface reactions, and Lorcan and Birch were getting booed, which I have no idea why this surprised people. They, this shouldn't have been a surprise at all. Undisputed era, is super over. They're cool heels. Uh, Adam Cole is is over and it's Lorcan and Birch who are great wrestlers. But, um, you know, let, let's face it. They, they struggle, uh, from a charisma perspective. And they're, they, you know, it's like, and people will tell you, Oh, that's not true. Lorcan, he has tons of charisma when he, look, look, okay. Maybe on a fucking beyond show with 200 people, Oney Lorcan has a ton of charisma. I'm not buying that Biff Music is this super charismatic wrestler because he's not. That's clearly his drawback. And you can tell me about his grunting uppercuts all you want. And I like the guy, okay? But on the big stage, he comes off uh, – he struggles a little bit in that department. I mean that's all there is to it. So it doesn't surprise me at all that Undisputed Era uh, got all the love here from the fans. Now, look. Now, what bothered me was, Rich, I went to shows. I went to WCW shows, um, you know, during the horse, the late Horseman era. Look, I wasn't going to WCW shows in 1984, okay, but you know, I wasn't going to Crockett shows in '85 or, or or whatnot. But late Horseman era, early '90s. Where, what you would get sometimes are horsemen towns because the horsemen were cool heels. They were like the original cool heels, okay? So, you'd go to these shows, and I went to these Meadowlands WCW shows, and the horsemen and Ric Flair, they would get fucking cheered tremendously because those fans would get to see WCW once a year, and they loved the fucking horsemen, and they've been watching them on TBS for, for 10, 15 years, and fuck it, they're gonna go there and cheer the fucking horsemen, okay? And one match that stands out in my mind is I saw Barry Wyndham and Arn Anderson wrestle. Uh, the Young Pistols, who at that time may have been the wild eyed Southern boys. Okay, this was early in their run before they changed their name, maybe, and they were still baby faces at the time. Rich, who the fuck do you think was going to get cheered in, in in New Jersey in, in, in right, the 1991? Boys
0: or the Playboys in or nice the horsemen. Suits that Like the fuck I mean, girls and drink. Yeah, I wonder. I don't you know. know.
1: So <laughs> it was a horseman crowd, okay? And but but what happened was everyone recognized it. You know, Tracy Smothers and, and Armstrong, great workers. R Anderson, Barry Wyndham, great workers. So what did they do? Anderson and Wyndham were playing through the crowd, and the fucking Young Pistols, the fucking Wild Eye Southern boys worked heel. Okay, they adjusted on the fly and they played up to the crowd, and it made the match that much better because you know now. You know, and everyone's behind the horseman and, and Arn Anderson's hitting spine busters and then waving his arms up in the air. I it I gotta tell you, it's one of the most memorable live matches I ever went to. It was it was an incredible scene. And it was memorable for that reason. Now I get it. These and and, and actually if you go back and watch some WCW pay-per-views from the same era, uh, there's one in Philadelphia where there's a six man tag, and this was now, I think, um uh past the this was now the Dangerous Alliance, I believe. I, I may be misremembering, but it was Arn Anderson and whoever and they faced Tom Zank, uh, uh uh Johnny Gunn, and I can't remember who the third guy was. It was the opener of the WCW pay-per-view. I just thought of it now, or I would have researched it. And the same dynamic happened. They were Philadelphia was not cheering Tom Zank and Johnny Gunn. Okay, it just wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> the
0: Z-man They're not a Z-man No, it's
1: so, so so again they 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 adjusted on the fly in the fucking Dangerous Alliance. Uh, you know, but, but whatever. But here's the thing. I understand. In the WWE system Alright, I got the I got the match here You got the, I, I yeah, don't, yeah, uh, so, love, yeah,
0: Okay, so I got it here So this is Halloween Havoc 1992 Yeah Alright, so you you correctly named Tom Zink yeah. Johnny Gunn, correct yeah, Good yes. job getting Johnny Gunn The, the future Tom Brandy right. uh, You got Arn Anderson, right? Right Okay, can you name any of the other names? You got well, nothing?
1: it was Dangerous Alliance So it had to be Bobby Eaton probably And uh, Zabisco maybe?
0: You got one of the two right The other one was Michael Hayes
1: Oh, it wasn't Dangerous Alliance yet then
0: so predated the dangerous lions, and your third man on the Tom Zank Johnny Gun, <sighs> Shane Douglas. Okay, little did Philadelphia know. Little did Philadelphia little know they would enjoy. Yeah. yeah, they soon in another year they would really much, you know, really be behind Shane Douglas. But at that time, no, they were not behind. Uh, could old, you? Uh, could
1: you think? Of a babyface team that was less likely to get cheered in Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> Tom, Tom Zing, Johnny Gunn, and Shane Douglas. And Shane yeah, Douglas no.
1: coming off the dudes with attitudes, running all that. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, is this dynamic, yeah, dude dynamic era dudes? Dynamic uh... dudes, not dudes with attitudes.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so I mean, come on, So they, they, you know, go watch that. Rich, I. There's your homework assignment. Go watch that match. It's a really cool. I'm check
0: that out. Yeah, you got Michael
1: fun. Hayes like moonwalking while the crowd's cheering, and Arn Anderson. You know, <laughs> it's fucking. It's you know, but it's like now. Look, I get it. You're not going to be able to do that in WWE with these matches. The way they're produced, these guys weren't going to go in the ring and fucking, you know, you look, look, Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly wasn't going to throw Danny Burch in the side headlock and say, "Hey man, let's flip it up here." That's not going to fucking ha- They don't have that power. They can't do that, especially in NXT. Uh, okay, so what you had here was undisputed era working heel and getting cheered, and the and the other guys killing themselves, literally yeah. killing themselves, trying to get over his faces. And it wasn't happening in Chicago, uh, especially, or, you know, Chicago, not that much different than your Philadelphia's or your, or your Meadowlands, New Jersey's when it comes to this kind of thing. So, but it was still a great match despite that. And um, anyway, that's what it reminded me of when I was watching it. The work here was stellar. This is one of the best. I just talked about that LIJ versus Bucks match last week from Dominion. This is another, this is a stellar tag match arguably the best of the year it may have topped that match from last week I mean they're right in the same neighborhood to me this was fantastic
0: yeah I I love it as well and yeah one thing you brought up you know when when they kick out Adam Cole and the whole crowd just comes unglued and they're just booing and like going nuts it's just funny because everything was just set up for for that and I don't know why they would have because I mean I I know that maybe they don't think about this stuff all that much and whatnot but like you know I did a little bit of research and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong wrestled Hundreds of times in Chicago. Kyle O'Reilly and AEW and Ring of Honor, Roger Strong and Ring of Honor, Adam Cole did Ring of Honor stuff. Lorkin and Birch never once wrestled in Chicago, ever. So it's like when, when those guys come out, like just from a familiarity standpoint, if they were just whoever, but I know. A they're they're cool heels. Undisputed era is cool heels. They obviously have indie cred, so uh, you know a smart mark audience is going to enjoy them a little bit more. And then there's just a familiarity factor. So if there's people there that maybe don't keep up with Ring of Honor, aren't on Reddit and all that sort of stuff, they might just watch you know Chicago area stuff and go, oh, I know O'Reilly, I know Strong. That's kind of cool. Like I like these guys. Versus Lorcan and Birch who who may look like you know or they may be presented as faces, but you look at those guys and they don't look like fa- they look like old school heels or whatnot. Whereas you have your like good looking you know quaff you know undisputed era and those are your heels and it's just. Like the dynamic was just like not right at all, but it didn't. It largely it didn't matter if you kind of ignore how the crowd reacted. The match itself was worked perfectly, and 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 it was kind of fun to see that different dynamic. And I think one of the the great parts of it is when it was all done. Lorkin and Birch got a standing ovation. They won the crowd over when it was all said and done. When that that crowd wanted nothing to do with those guys when the match started. So that's a, that's a testament to them. It's a testament to how much they busted their ass. So I really love this one. I'll move on now to Ricochet and the Team. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: One more quick thought. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're a great team, and I like them a lot. But I think you nailed a good point. It's like I think Lorcan and Butch Lorcan and Birch would have been better off starting off as heels, as as no nonsense ass kicker heels.
0: Yeah, look at them. They got like broken noses, they're bald, they look weird, you know what I mean? Like that's your old school heels and, and your baby faces would be like, you know you know, like you know Kyle when Bill who's like literally a, a magic strong is like what you would think of as a as a literal baby face. I mean, geez.
1: I mean they they can Undisputed Era could be baby faces, but they really do just exemplify like frat boy like 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 frat douchebags. So Oh no, but, no doubt, yeah. But but, but 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 I mean, Lorcan and Birch. There, what I would have done if Lanza had the pencil, which I should, okay. I, they're guys that I would have started off as a no nonsense ass kicker heel team, with the goal always being eventually the fans are going to turn them. The fans will turn them when they're ready because they're going to get over as a, I would never have them cheat. I would just have them be dicks. I would have them be clearly be heels and clearly be assholes, but never cheat. OK, and, and the fans would eventually turn those dudes because they're too fucking good. And if they're constantly winning clean and they're constantly kicking ass, the fans are eventually going to turn them. They're going to do it for you. And then you have yourself two baby faces that are over. Starting these guys off as baby faces just doesn't work because they're not charismatic enough. So I think you made a good point. They really should be heels.
0: All right, so let's move to uh, Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. Ricochet getting the win here in about 22 minutes. Uh, what do you think of this match? We, uh, you, you, you were a little down on Velveteen Dream in our preview. Did he deliver here for you? Did you are you now a Velveteen Dream guy? What, what are your thoughts on, on, on his performance, and what do you think of the match itself?
1: Look, I'm going to be the guy that's hard on Velveteen Dream. And, and, you know, and, and I tell you, it's funny. After this match, I'm seeing a lot more of that from other people who are starting to maybe see some of his flaws. It's not just the total ad- adulation and people tossing roses anymore A Dream. And what's funny is I liked him here. I thought this was his best performance since the Alistair Black match. And, and I'm not saying it was without flaws, but I thought, look, clearly Ricochet was the better performer. I don't think anybody would argue that. And I really think that Ricochet led him through this thing as they told the story of... Dream is just obsessed with keeping up with and matching Ricochet, which was the story here and I thought Ricochet did a tremendous job uh taking uh, taking Dream through that style of match and I thought Dream uh kept up just fine and did his part. He didn't have any egregious botches which is what you look for with him the last few times he's been out there. Um he didn't like 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 visibly lose his concentration which we've seen from him uh in his last couple of matches and i thought this was the the best dream performance since the black match and rich i just you know it's like it's and, and now everybody else is bashing dream it seems like a lot of people didn't like dream in this match i thought he was fine here i thought ricochet was clearly better what i continue to be forget about dream we talked enough about him what i'm continually blown away by is how great ricochet has been in this company in all facets whether it's promos, whether it's a match like this with a guy who's green as grass, whether it's just the—he comes off like a fucking superstar. And I gotta tell you, I wasn't positive that he would. I knew he would have good matches. I knew he would stand out as, you know, as a junior style cruiserweight, two hundred five style worker. I knew that he would get over. I wasn't. But if you add, if you if you would have asked me before he started, Joe, is he gonna come off like a superstar in WWE? I wouldn't have been able to confidently tell you yes. But he has. He's truly coming off like a superstar.
0: Yeah, I think that's I. I kind of had the same takeaways as you with this match. I, I I thought Dream was 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 good. I enjoyed his performance a lot. I think he's got like we said, he's got the. Uh, kind of the in-between stuff. the In-between the moves, he's got down pretty well. He's able to just get the crowd behind him or, or against him. He's able to sort of just have that charisma. Like you said, charisma is off the charts. The problem is a little bit of the moves, and, and I, I kind of made a tweet about this, and I think a lot of people uh, enjoyed it, people that had played the video games. As I said, he kind of acts and, and he wrestles like he's in a uh, one of the WWE 2K games. Because it's like he sets up and he's about to do like a plancha, and it's like he gets into an animation and does the plancha. Like, and then you get Ricochet, who just everything he does is so smooth, and everything just leads into the next thing. Everything that he does just comes naturally where Velveteen Dream thinks like he's it appears like he's thinking before he does everything every single thing every single move that he does is okay how do I do this move this is how I'm gonna do it okay now I got through it okay there you go and like it just feels a little herky-jerky just a little and, and that's to be understood I mean he's still developing he's still doing that but when you see him against a guy like a ricochet and you see him juxtapose with a guy who's just one of the smoothest Wrestlers of all time, a guy who just no matter what makes everything just look perfect. It it, it does make the dream look, and, and you can see how he is a little bit far behind, and how he is he's getting there, and he's ambitious, and he has all the moves, and he's he understands what to do, and he understands what you know how to maybe do these things or whatnot. But they're just a step slow, they're just a little herky jerky, they're not quite as smooth or whatever. And then you see Ricochet, and then everything he does is just amazing. He does you know plonch over the top rope, and it looks perfect. You know, Velveteen Dream does it, and like it's a little herky jerky, it doesn't quite work. It feels like he's kind of loading an animation, is is what I said. That's nothing really against stream it but it just feels like there's a lot of moving parts when he's when he's trying to move whereas Ricochet is just so smooth. And yeah, like you said, I think the the overarching thought and, and I was right with you as well. I thought Ricochet would you know, I thought he would do okay in NXT. I think he'd be fine. He'd, he'd do it, but I did not think he was gonna you know grab the bull by the horns as much as he is. And and dude, he's a star. Like if they want to make that guy one of the top guys and they want to make him main eventer, they absolutely can. And I, I shouldn't have thought that Ricochet couldn't do that because we know that he can. It just I don't know for whatever reason I kind of felt that the NXT thing was just him kind of saying, all right, cool. Like I'll kind of cash in a little bit. I'll you know just kind of do some fun matches here and there and have some fun and do some things. And you know eventually, I mean this guy's a star and he's gonna be a star eventually once you know he can get there and kind of move up. But yeah, you're seeing it. It, the crowd's reacting to him and the moves are just they're, they're working perfectly everything's crisp everything's kind of working well and and it's been a good feud for him and i think it's been a good feud for dream as well so i really like this match a little bit of dream you know I, like I said a little herky- jerky on some moves a little you know sloppy some places but i think overall he, he did a great job and i think again he tells a great story in the matches there's a lot of great charisma as well in everything that he does so he's able to sort of cover up some of the you know unevenness or some of the you know weird looking work that he does at times but it's fine it's going to come with time and and he's still very young but no i I really liked his performance, but I thought Ricochet put on a superstar performance. It was when it was done. I said, "Dude, they got a guy again. Like they have another guy. If they want to push this guy to the moon, they have it. He's ready in Ricochet." So I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, he does not belong in NXT. I mean, it's blatantly no. obvious. It, but here's the thing. I, you know, who would want him to move up at this point? He's just gonna get lost. That's really the-
0: not me. I don't want anybody moving up. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about money in the bank. I don't want anybody moving up ever again.
1: I mean, he he'll just get lost in the shuffle, and you'll instantly not be interested in him anymore, which is what happened. The, the main roster is where you go to die, but I mean, the difference between a ricochet and a velveteen dream is just—I mean, uh, it's just—it's it's, just—it's so blatant when you when you watch shows like this. But uh, but yes, yeah, so, but I really liked it. I thought it was a, a great match. I thought it was well over four stars. I mean, you know, I because because Dream held up his end of the bargain, and it was exciting. It was an exciting match. Uh, you know and it was and it was a fun what more do you want you got exciting you got fun you got uh well executed I you know it had everything I want in a match like that and they and they told the story that they were setting out to tell
0: all right let's move on to the women's championship match with Shannon Baszler uh defeating Nikki Cross by uh submission so Nikki Cross just passed out did not tap out I was a little under 10 minutes here I I'm I'm weird about this match because I don't I didn't really like it. Like, if I'm, if I'm star rating a match, I wouldn't give this high marks. I didn't think there was a lot of dynamic work in it. I don't think it was very good. But it told the perfect, like, it was exactly the story that I wanted. And You kind of had this a little bit of a mini rant, not about this match, but about star ratings in general. Like, this is one that I can't rate because it was exactly what it should have been. I wanted Shaylin Baszler to go out there, just fuck Nikki Cross up, make her tap out, move her on, and 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 go to the next you know wrestler or whatever. I didn't want a back and forth match. I didn't want Nikki Cross getting hope spots. I wanted Shaylin Baszler to beat her in ten minutes by technical submission, and that's exactly would happen even if I technically don't think the match was very good. You know, it's one of those weird ones where you just, I don't know how I would rate it if I had to.
1: I'll rate it for you. It stunk. I didn't like it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, this, what this was, there is a certain bar with takeover matches, and that bar happens to be very high. We talk about how, you know, New Japan made events and things of that nature. There's just a certain bar, and there's a bar here, and this didn't clear it. And the whole Nikki Cross thing, I talked about it last week. I talk about it every week on my TV reviews. Nikki Cross, her gimmick has to go. It's cringe. It was super cringe here. She's smiling as she's getting choked out. That spot didn't work for me. It didn't do what it was designed to do for me. I just, she comes off to me like a geek because of the gimmick. I don't like it. Um, and this was really, this was an okay TV main event. It wasn't a match that belonged on a takeover where the expectation is excellence. And that's not what this was. This was a mediocre television match. And on a show like this, it really stood out because everything else was was pretty damn good. And this wasn't. So, um, not a fan of this. Hopefully they put Cross in the rear view and Baszler moves on to bigger and better things than this because this just wasn't good.
0: Well, what, one thing that I was kind of... When the, when the match finished, and, and like I said, I enjoyed the sto- I, I enjoyed what the match accomplished not so much the match but i think when when it was done and and, and i mentioned this on the, on our previous show last week this if this was the dakota kai that dakota Makai match i think was such a better squash than this one that like I almost again wish that that was the match on the takeover. I just I didn't like the Nikki Cross story from the beginning and and I wasn't really invested in anything that she did here. I just couldn't wait for Shayna Baszler to tap her out and I was glad that it didn't get that back and forth and whatnot. I, I see what you're saying about the barometer, but I like the idea that Baszler just beat her because I don't think Nikki Cross deserved to have you know any sort of hope south. I don't think Nikki Cross deserved anything in this match. With that said, if it was the Dakota Kai squash like we saw last week, I think that would have been so much better on the show than this weird convoluted, rushed Nikki Cross story that they told that nobody was invested in because the crowd did not give a shit about anything that Nikki Cross did and really didn't give a shit what Baszler did. They just kind of wanted Baszler to beat her and then when they beat her, it was like, okay, cool. But I mean, there was still kind of booze at the end too. It's just, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It didn't deliver on what people think that it should sort of deliver on on a takeover wounds match, but I didn't really want it back and forth here, and that's kind of the thing with Baszler right now is I like her just beating people right away, so I don't, I'm I'm kind of conflicted on where I am with that.
1: You you could give me a dominant performance in the squash if you want, but it's got to. This was just what there was nothing compelling about this.
0: It was kind of meandering. I'll, I'll give you that.
1: And 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 Nikki Cross, you know NXT is cool. It's like the cool kids promotion, and it's the cool promotion in WWE. And there's nothing cool about Nikki Cross. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't fit in the roster. She doesn't fit in the vibe of the promotion. Some people just don't fit the vibe of a promotion. Sammy Callahan came to New Japan for World Tag League, and he did not fit the vibe of the promotion. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it it, it just, she doesn't, it it doesn't work. Nikki Cross would work much better on the main roster. Where you can be goofy and and silly like this, and just, and get away with it, because it's all goofy and silly, and tongue-in-cheek. Here, it, it, it's just a different vibe, and she does not fit the vibe.
0: All right, so let's move to the NXT Championship match. Now we have Aleister Black defeating Lars Sullivan. A little under 15 minutes for this match, Joe. What did you think of Black versus Sullivan?
1: I thought it was a really solid match. I think this is what Black does. He goes out there and has these really solid matches. I think I went four and a quarter on this. It was real. You, know, uh, you know, and Avi, mean, look, we can't ignore the botch. Um, and. I want to talk about that for a second because it seems to be an epidemic in this company in particular to the point where I am now convinced that the agents and the trainers in NXT and the agents on all rosters, uh, main roster or otherwise, I am convinced now that they are teaching these wrestlers to sell even when moves whiff by a mile, because this is a really good roster with really good wrestlers and We consistently see, and this is the only promotion where I consistently see wrestlers sell moves that don't come within a foot of landing where everyone in the building and everyone watching on TV can see Jeff Hardy missed Jinder Mahal by a fucking mile at the Greatest Royal Rumble and Jinder Mahal took that comical bump. Now look, look, I get it. Jinder Mahal sucks. I understand that. But if there was an isolated incident, I could chalk it up to Jinder Mahal being a really bad pro wrestler. But you see it all the time in this company. We see Black miss this kick by a mile and Lars Sullivan take the bump anyway. Why would you take the bump? You know, improvise on the spot. Put yourself back in position and let Black kick you again. Do something. But it's just so cringe. And and the other thing you always see in this company, which drives you nuts, is when someone gets thrown into the ropes and, 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 and they take a lariat – they they always start to take the bump before the contact. Roman Reigns is, does that all the time, and there, there's other wrestlers that do. This company, look, I watch more wrestling than is healthy. I watch companies all over the world. That's for sure. Okay? <laughs> we, can, we can all. Agree I watch on all that. this That's dopey true. TV wrestling. I've been watching the dopey CMLL every week because I'm into the Park Rush stuff. I watch all the stuff from Japan. I watch all these silly indies. I watched a fucking Glory Pro show the other day just because. Okay, I'm watching, I watch wrestling from all over the world, and I have seen more phantom or ghost or whatever you want to call them phantom bumps, ghost bumps. I have seen more of those kind of bumps in the first six months in WWE than I've seen in the rest of the world combined in the last year and a half. What is it with this company and wrestlers taking phantom bumps? Rich, I'm convinced they're taught to just take the bump to avoid I think having to I think it has to be that. It
0: has to be yeah. It, it, it has to be taught. It has to be just saying you know go through it, whatever. You know we'll edit it later. Just make it look you know instead because I think that they're they're so against the the awkwardness of it missing and then them trying to kind of improvise and I think guys are so planned and everything's so sort of kind of every camera needs to know where it's at everything has to know all the announcers have to know everything so it it, it cannot lend itself like you said we're talking about a match earlier in the show the, the the opener tag match where things cannot be changed on the fly everything is so structured and so you know that that people are in in some ways we'll talk about a guy a little bit later are there you know, worried about improvising, or they don't want to improvise. They don't want to go against orders because God only knows what's going to happen if they do that. So if that little thing happens and they, and they kind of look at each other and go, okay, well now we go and do this or whatnot. It, it, these guys are so trained and so you know methodical about everything they do that it could just ruin the match and and, and people might be upset. And I I don't know what it is back there, but I I it, there has to be it has to be a trained thing because there's no way, like you said, it would happen as, as as much as it does because we see situations where that would happen all across the world, but guys always improvise and they figure out different ways. WWE they don't. They always take that bump every single time and yeah it, it, it this one was really egregious and it didn't take me out of the match completely but it definitely was like a oh boy like that that was not anywhere near that didn't quite work but i was able to kind of work through the match even with that
1: here's the problem though it happened at the worst time possible it happened yeah. literally the, the the final closing that was the the first blow in the closing stretch of the match where lars sullivan takes all those kicks to the head and then finally dies. That was the first kick to the head. And, you know, I I am convinced it's taught. I'm convinced they tell them, look, we've got a million different camera angles. We'll make sure it doesn't look bad. Just do what you do. Take your bump. Cause it's going to look worse. If, if we change it up on the fly, just, just take the bump. I'm I'm convinced they're telling them that. Cause I, I, cause I cannot accept that a roster of, of top professionals with the exception of gender, who's horrendous, would, a roster of top professionals would egregiously do this as often as they do on this roster. Watch The Miz wrestle like any match that The Miz wrestles. And and look, it's like The Miz is like the worst defender on the roster. Of He starts to take the bump before the contact more than anyone else on the it, 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 it And once you start to see it, you can't unsee it. And The Miz is the worst defender, which is part of the reason why The Miz is so overrated. OK, with all you know, he, he he's not one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's a nice little wrestler. OK, but but there's so many like things like that that are blatant holes in his game. The guy just does not take flush contact. And I think they teach it to keep these guys healthy and all these other things. But it, 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 it does hurt the quality of the match sometimes when these guys do that. Maybe with someone like the Miz who's been wrestling for 10 years, it's just habit now. To just to just bump in that manner, but
0: yeah sure and, and, and it's what they want as well you know what i mean it's it's probably lends itself better to the camera shot it probably lends itself better to to the shaky camera and all that sort of stuff i don't know I, it, it has to be taught though i mean it, it, it's it's impossible that it's not some sort of learned behavior but um what do you think of in, in terms of Black winning and, and winning is maybe I don't want to say definitively because I think Lars gave him uh, you know run for his money, but I think when it was done that it was only 15 minutes, there wasn't a lot of back and forth. It didn't really feel at any point like Lars had the title in in, in the hand. Do you like the idea that Black just kind of went out there and and vanquished a monster and kind of moved on? Because because I really did. I thought it was something that Black really needed uh, to kind of get that next step and to feel like he had some credibility because he has been lost in the shuffle in NXT. So I thought it was really good that he goes out there and and a, a guy like a Lars Sullivan, he's a monster that if you if you protect it well enough, like you can go back to him again. Like of course when he goes to the main roster that won't happen but he's a guy that you can kind of go back to like a bad luck folly type where where you know if you just want to have him be the monster for for a few years you could and that'd be fine and, and I think it worked really well here but I thought black you know it, it was a great win for black and it's one of those things that we always talk about the the rare opportunity that if you do things right both guys come out ahead and I thought Lars looked great and he comes out like a big monster that just couldn't get it done on that night which is fine and black looks like a guy who vanquished a monster so he comes across looking better and finally feels like a real champion for the first time in, in probably his entire ring Thus far.
1: Yeah, I don't think Lars loses anything here and, and Black, the problem with him is just overshadowed by the Gargano feud every time. He's yeah. he's overshadowed by it on T V, he's overshadowed by it on these takeovers. His title reign will go down if nothing changes here. His title reign will go down as one that was completely overshadowed by other shit going on. That's just all there is to it. And it's a shame because he's going out there and having good matches.
0: All right, so that was TakeOver Chicago. We'll move on to Money in the Bank, which I think will be much shorter, even though it was a much, 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 much longer show. Joe, I am not excited about four-hour pay-per-views. I, uh, I, I turned down free tickets for the show for that reason. I had buddies that went there. They said they arrived at the arena around 5, 5.30. They did not leave the parking lot of that arena until 11.30. They got home at like 12.30 at night. They got there at 5.30, Joe. For this fucking show. And they were supposed to be... They, if they wanted to get there early, they would have gotten there at five. It, it, unbelievable, these four-hour shows. It's going to be... Man, I don't know. It's going to be a drag. You had a hot crowd in Chicago. You had what what I think is a pretty okay show we'll talk about here and there. Even though... And watch, it, it, we'll, we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. But there are going to be four-hour shows in front of dead-ass San Jose crowds. You yeah. know, those, those Albany crowds. And, like, my God, you're going to want to blow your brains out when those are done. Because these were... I mean, this is Chicago. It's a hot crowd. They were into everything. Whether Even if the match they weren't into, they would find a way to kind of entertain themselves. There are going to be nights where you are just going to be sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Man, four hours every single month is going to be a drag, and I am not looking forward to it at all.
1: Yeah, I mean this. This show felt like it was never going to end, and and the the thing it took is, me three days
0: to watch this thing. I was like, come oh, on! I looked at the file, and it's like two hours left. I'm like, oh my god! I'm mean, not even at the freaking, you know, AJ Styles match, and it was two hours in. I was like, oh god!
1: It was just oh. what what cures this, Rich, is if the matches are good, you don't care how long it is. The, Correct. The problem was, like nine of these eleven matches weren't good. Um, Correct. <laughs> yeah. the, the the other problem is. Even despite the fact that there were 10 or 11 or however many matches are on his, whatever you want to consider the cash-in, whatever you want to consider the the dark match, there was 10 or 11 matches on this show, whatever. They could have gotten this into a three-hour window because something like seven of the nine primary matches easily could have had significant time uh, shaved. And not lost a single thing with, with the, the story of the match they were telling. Right.
0: Rollins and Elias went almost 20 minutes. That did not need to go 20 minutes. Well, that could have been 10 s- and then fine. S-
1: Styles and Nakamura went over 30 minutes. It could have been oh. 20. <laughs>
0: Excruciating.
1: That was excruciatingly long. Daniel Bryan, <laughs> Big Cass, you know you're firing the guy tomorrow. Why did that go 17 minutes? That could have been five minutes. You're firing the man tomorrow. He's leaving the territory. You, you know what I mean? It's like, come on. It, 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 you know, the only matches you couldn't have shaved time off of were Lashley and Zane, which was six minutes but felt like 60. And and like, like Rousey Jacks, maybe. I thought that was the perfect amount of time for what they were going for. Um, everything else could have been shorter. So it's it's not it's almost as if oh we need 4 hours cuz we're combining the rosters you still could have gotten this show within a 3 hour window comfortably if you just shave some time off of these monotonously long matches and and then when you're sitting there for a 4 plus hour show the two best matches are in the first fucking 45 minutes the rest of the show feels like you just you can't take it I mean it it's it, it just it my god this was such a frustrating show to watch and I had the same thought as you. I am dreading, dreading this four-hour era. Because there's going to be shows where This was not a good show by any means. And there's going to be shows significantly worse than this show. You know it.
0: With a dead-ass crowd, too. Yes. I think that needs to be, that needs to, this was a crowd that no matter, from from opening bell to the closing, were, were hot. They were cheering. They were chanting. They were doing whatever. Even if you liked it or didn't like it during one of the matches, they were hot for. Everything on the show, you are not going to get that. <laughs> you are going to get crowds by two and a half hours in that are dead, and by three hours are just going to... I don't know. I do not know what's going to happen, but, man, these are going to be an absolute drag. If there's a Backlash-esque show in front of, like, Albany, <laughs> dear God, that four hours is going to feel so long. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 going to be a, a thing. So let's... Uh, Joe, I did not watch the pre-show. I don't care if you did. Did you watch the pre-show?
1: Uh, okay. I didn't watch it either. For the first time, I missed it. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, one
0: of us. One of us.
1: But the right team won. I,
0: yes. I'm going to give them seven fucking minutes of my life. when I'm already going to take four hours. The-, the hell out of here. <laughs> Dana O'Brien, big cast. Opener. We'll talk about cast here in a moment. Do not wait. Or, 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 or I will say. Or Do you want to do it now? Do you want to do the cast burial now? Or do, should we make people wait a little bit?
1: Well, we could fold it into the review of the match. Because this was a good okay, match. I thought this was a good match. I don't know where you stood on this match. Um, did you think this was a good match? Uh, I
0: did because Daniel Bryan's an ex- exceptional pro wrestler and was very good at uh, doing what he does best. So
1: yeah, yeah. So he's chopping down the tree. That's the and classic. Cass there too. <laughs>
0: right.
1: A classic pro wrestling story. I thought Cass wasn't that bad. I mean, Cass wasn't bad. I didn't think he was bad in this match or egregiously. You know, I, but but I mean, a the, the classic pro wrestling story of chopping down the tree. And then uh, Brian wins it. The...
0: Well, that's because Joe. I don't know if you know. Uh, so Big Cass is big. He's taller than Daniel Bryan, and Dan Bryan's shorter. So it, it, it takes a little bit more for the shorter guy to beat the tall guy. They had because if you're tall, you're strong. I don't know if you knew. If you're tall, you're you're strong and you're powerful. And if you're short, you're 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 not powerful and you're not strong. They so hadn't
1: made that you... clear. I, I,
0: I. Yeah, just just so you know, just I I don't know if I, I Graves briefly touched on it at the beginning of the match, but that's essentially the story they were trying to tell.
1: So Brian wins. He wins the feud. That's not the story here. The story is. Um, Rich, we've had victory laps on this show. This is a victory lap wrapped in a flag in front of a 200,000-seat stadium with your dream crush kissing you on the cheek and winning the Powerball while you're taking the victory. This is the victory lap to end all victory laps. Uh, They fired this man the very next day, which totally backs up and proved everything we've been saying about this feud, that it was a colossal waste of everybody's time, including Daniel Bryan's. This was a two-month colossal waste of time, uh, which achieved nothing and advanced nothing. And it was Daniel Bryan and quicksand, uh, it's because all of these defenses of well, what's wrong with Daniel Bryan working with an upcoming young star? Well, you can throw that gotta out see, the window. They got to
0: see what they have in him, Joe. They got to see what they have in this big cast guy. So, well, you, you can, know, you're going to use your red-hot guy that's coming back from injury that used to be a superstar. You know, yeah. that's what you do with the guy. You you, know. you
1: take your red-hot, most popular person on the roster and you totally cool him off because you got to see what you have in a guy you're going to fire two months later. Now, granted, they didn't know they were going to fire him, but they did fire him. Okay, so th- th- it's a, it, we can only deal with what happened Okay, But here, but here's the it's thing Still, if,
0: even, if he, even if he was a guy in this company for the next 10 years It still was a shitty way to use Daniel Bryan That's exactly, that's from, exactly what
1: I was going to tra- say Because it's like Even if he didn't get fired Anybody with a semblance of an eye for talent Knew that Big Cass was never going to be a star So this idea That Daniel Bryan was working with Big Cass To get him ready for stardom Or to see what they have in him Or to get him in there with a good quality worker Why? Everyone knew Big Cass wasn't good so and then the cherry on top is that he got fired. I mean this is like the, this is like the Emma victory lap. This is just too easy. Rich, I almost feel like they do this for our benefit. They make it too easy for us to dunk on the on these people and, and prove our points correct. I mean the guy was never gonna work out and be a star and it was blatant to anyone and now he got fired. So I mean give me a fucking break. It's just a total waste of time and in the process, in the process they've cooled him off. Now does that mean that Brian can't be heated back up? Sure he can. But you cannot rebottle. You cannot put back in the fucking tube the return heat that he had. You that that's gone forever. You blew that. Yes, you can push him. Yes, they started that on SmackDown this week, But you blew all of that return momentum and you blew it. You wasted it on big casts. Are you kidding me? It's indefensible. It's indefensible. And there's still people coming in our mentions. There's still people coming in our mentions attempting to defend this. Which all that proves is there are people who will defend anything. Literally anything. And I think if you look at certain world events, you'll see that there are people who will literally defend anything. And we're not going to get into that because we're not doing politics. But it just people will defend anything and it explodes your fucking brain. This was such a monumental misuse. Of Daniel Bryan's return. This was such a monumental botch. Of, that, of, of, of his heroic return to the ring after three years. That this is the biggest victory lap we've ever taken. And we take a lot of them. Because we're usually right. And we were dead on with this one. And you all look like anyone who defended this. Come on. Take the L. You couldn't look like a bigger fool. If you continue to defend this. Sometimes in life. You got to take that capital L. And this is one of those times. This one's not even close.
0: Yeah, and we make that point again. Like if, you, if you, Even if he wasn't going to get fired, because I think that's always the defense as well. They didn't know they were going to fire him when they started the feud. It's just that when it was all... Anybody knows, especially with Dan O'Brien, who's a guy that... that you could presumably have a finite amount of time on. Whether or not... I, we, we both agree that he's healthy and that he's been healthy. That it's just kind of... We're not going to do that show again. We did that show a few months back or whatever. But even if you want to use that idea that, well, Dan and Brian, they, they, they're not quite sure what they have in him quite yet, or maybe he's not back or whatever, that's even more of a reason to get out there and do as much as you can right off the bat with him. and And, and you don't have... All the time in the world, you might only have a finite time. We hear people say, "Well, he's going to be gone in September. Perfect. I got from now until September to do some kick-ass stuff with him." And 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 you know, like, but that that's always the thing that we hear is is, is these excuses about you know, oh, they're not quite sure what they have in, in in Daniel Bryan. They don't know how long he's going to stay. He hasn't re-signed. They're not going to give him. We're not saying he needs to win the world title. We're just saying not feuds with big fucking casts. Like that's all that it is. It's not about winning titles. It's not about main eventing every single pay per view and beating everybody in two minutes. That's not what we're saying. But something better than big. Caps. Cast. mix them up in the Styles Nakamura thing tell Nakamura and Styles hey take a chill on the kicking each other in the dicks and let's have Dan O'Brien you know get involved in this thing because that's another thing two people say well there was already plans you can fucking change plans you book it it's pro wrestling you can do whatever you want you know, and, and, say, and all, Japan literally, all Japan literally changed the entire dynamic of their entire company by listening to a crowd and a guy walked out and they said, actually, you know what? No, you're going to win and you're the next star. There you go. Sorry. All right. Go out, guys. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to change it. You can tell Nakamura and Styles, hey, look, you know, nice feud. We had ideas, but fuck it. We're scratching those ideas up and we're going to this now. I mean, of all companies, you're going to say that WWE can't change plans when literally Vince McMahon changes on a whim? On seconds, the WrestleMania main event reportedly changes seconds before, you know, or, or days or hours or whatever before. And you're going to say, well, they can't, they can't, you know, Dan O'Brien comes back. They can't change what they had planned up until, you know, money in the bank. You can't just, you know, put him in different things. Yes, you can. It's for wrestling. You book it.
1: Yeah. And, and even if you, even if you want to put big cast of all people in there with a good, solid veteran hand to, uh, you know, to, 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 to see what you got in cast or get him ready. That's Brian Kendrick's job. That's – you got you got a roster of 150 people under – that's not Daniel, Daniel, Bryan's, Daniel Bryan's job. Daniel Bryan's a superstar. Yeah.
0: Daniel Bryan's a superstar. That's not Daniel that's Bryan's not... job.
1: You can't justify it. You'll, okay, you can do that with with a million other geeks on the roster. Right. There used to be the old X
0: Pac. They used to say back in in, in you know ninety nine and two thousand or whatever, X Pac would be that guy. There'd be a young guy and they would have him in a little mini feud with X Pac just to see you know what he was made of. And if if Pac came back and said yeah he's good, then they were like, okay, cool, yeah yeah that, that's good. You know Vince trusted X Pac, but that's exactly it. It's fucking X Pac. You can you can do whatever the hell. It doesn't matter. It, he's not you know a bit This is fucking Dana Bryan we're talking about. This is a guy that people are clamoring for to come back. He finally comes back and then he's in a I'm small, you're tall feud with. You know, the cast. Call, call
1: up, call up T.J. Perkins and do that. You know, bring, bring Brian Kendrick up to the main roster. That's the kind of guys you you don't do this with. You're, you're arguably your most popular wrestler coming back from a three year high. Are you are you insane? That's your justification for this? Rich is ridiculous. I mean, we couldn't have won this one easier. I mean, it, it, him getting fired is just a cherry on top. I mean, give me a break. Uh it was like gift wrapped for us. I mean, jeez. But anyway. So that's
0: big cast, yeah. He uh, he got, of course, there's a little bit of background. He got heat uh, per uh, perosely shitty. He got heat for uh, beating up the little person who was dressed like Daniel Bryan, which of course uh, we won't defend because that is a really really shitty thing. But I think it's kind of funny that you know goes out there. They they told him that they only want him to lay out with a big boot and cast society would you know punch him and, and and knock him down or whatever and and do that sort of stuff. And that's obviously got him a lot of heat because he went against orders and Vince Van told him to not do that and he did it anyway. Uh, and that's a no no in that company to you know adapt and <laughs> do your own thing and try to make you know angle was a little bit better. I get it, whatever. It was a dumb angle anyway. It was a stupid, ridiculous, the little person angle. Okay, look, the, the, yeah. One of the dumbest things in the fucking world. Yeah the, midget, but, yeah, the
1: midget gimmicks where they come out and imitate the wrestler are terrible and they really need to stop doing them just because it's bad TV and bad everything else. But to blatantly, I mean, he asked the agents and he asked Vince McMahon himself if he could do a little more than the boot. Everyone told him no and they went out there and did it anyway.
0: Yeah, that's not good. You're going to get heat for that, for sure.
1: I mean, you know, so he pissed off his boss. And then Ryan Satin's reporting that he was uh, uh, on the European tour. He you know broke down a bathroom door because he thought that they were doing a rib on him and they locked it, but it was just – that wasn't the case. So then he broke the bathroom door on the bus and everybody was mad at him for that. And then there's other rumblings that he was a drunken asshole on, on the tour itself too. So it's just – to me, this feels like it was one thing after another with this guy. He wasn't well-liked. Enzo doesn't even like him. If Enzo doesn't like you, what <laughs> –
0: yeah, you've really reached the end of the world if, if Enzo Amore is like, eh, I don't know about that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what level of douchebag must you be? So, um, and and the guy, I mean, it, you know, as far as the wrestling goes, he had no upside. I mean, let, come on, if you think Big Cass had upside, I question you have no eye for talent. I mean, I'm, no, I don't you're, mean you're, to be harsh, but that's the truth. That no,
0: I, you have no you, you, you have no fucking clue. Yeah, he had nothing.
1: Yeah, he had nothing to offer uh, in, in the way of upside whatsoever. So. Tall.
0: He was tall, though, Joe. I don't know if you knew that. He's tall. And, you know, he had that going you know, forward. So. And we're starting to see it. I mean, I don't want to do the victory lap already, but we're starting to see it with Baron Corbin, too. They they realize it, too. Yes. And they're, they're completely repackaging him, and he's doing nothing. And that's a guy that in another year or two, it's going to be, a, oh, remember Baron Corbin thing? So, you know, again... Tall does not equal good. <laughs> Shockingly, you know, I don't I, – so, you know, you can be tall and good, but tall does not make you good. So it's, No,
1: it's, and and they've really transitioned with Corbin, and they're trying different things with him now because it was very obvious it just wasn't going to click with the way they were going, uh, you know, so they gave him a haircut. They're giving him more speaking time. Look, he does have a certain kind of asshole charisma in the way that he speaks, I, I so maybe this new role – um, you know, uh, where, he, you know, the deal with Kurt Angle, where he's like the Thorn and Kurt Angle's side. Maybe that'll work out for him. I don't know. But, you know, he was never going to be a one. Did it
0: infuriate you as much as it infuri- infuriated me that they didn't do a hair versus hair match?
1: I, you could have, you know, I mean, but look, again, Rich, what are we doing? We're, we're analyzing this like it's know, a traditional I know, I know. pro you're right, company. You're right. Let's 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 get if, to it because I'm going to talk, like, talk about the two. I want to talk about the two. Let's just fucking because here's the cool thing. If this stuff. were AAW or fucking ROH or any other company on earth, yes, you could have made some money on that man losing his hair. Does it make any fucking difference that they didn't bother with that? I mean, yeah, you're analyzing this like it matters. I mean, you, you, I know. you know. So we, we're all listen. I'm going to do that too, and I want you to call me out on it when I do. But, okay, let's. Uh,
0: that'll be a good thing. We can get through these these segments a lot quicker if we like, just tell each other to stop thinking. Yes. Hey, Joe, shut up and just move they on. They don't man. think, this, why really should good. we? Right. So, exactly, right. I like it. So, All right, Bobby Lashley, Sami Zayn, about six minutes. Bobby Lashley wins. Zayn's apparently hurt. Nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little odd. He just won it with a series of vertical suplexes, which was a, a bit bizarre. And, and it, it really felt like I saw people on Twitter calling it like a Sunday night heat match, which is exactly what it felt like. So it was a bizarre match, but then when you find out that Sami Zayn has like a zillion injuries, it kind of makes more sense. So,
0: yeah, no, um, when I knew that, it was like, oh, okay, I get it. They just wanted to get him in and get him out there. Yeah. Not that I don't, not that I think even if he was healthy, that would have been much better than it was, yes. but it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, the structure Seth Rollins versus Elias, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Seth Rollins uh, retains his Intercontinental title. 17 minutes this match went, and I do not think it needed to go 17 minutes.
1: Steve, this is where I'll disagree a little bit. This is one where I don't think I would have shaved much time, if any. Because they told a really good story, and I thought that, okay, maybe you could have shaved a little from the first third, but I think the way it was paced down the stretch was, was, was pretty much perfect, and I did like this match. Look, Seth Rollins, I, I'm done. I've picked on him a lot over the last two weeks, but I, 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 I want to make it clear to everyone I do think he's having a good year. I just don't think you can stack him up to the best in the world. I think that's patently absurd to compare him to any of the best people in the world Mm -hmm. right now. But he is having a really good year, and he is having the best year of anybody on the main roster. And... Oh, he's,
0: he's red hot. I mean, they they need to do something with this guy in the next few months because he is on fire right now. And and, and it'd be s- ridiculous if by SummerSlam or, or something like that they're not doing something. Do I gotta Republican throw in a in thinking, the thinking? Do title. I gotta
1: throw the thinking flag again? I don't know. That's a border. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because we
1: all know that they're not. They're clearly. I know. I know. They're gonna I miss know. this window, and it's not gonna fucking matter. So
0: we need like a buzzer. We need like a buzzer that you you buzz <laughs> that just like shocks me or something like that. Or, but I mean, you know, like oh. sorry, 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 we'll move on. Yeah. You're
1: absolutely right, but we all know they're gonna miss the window. And yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. he's going to keep working these openers and prelim matches and killing it and getting over, and then they're going to take so long that the fans are going to lose faith. I mean, that's what happens yeah. in this company, and then it's yeah. all, I'm they're, sorry, they're, it won't
0: happen again, Joe. I promise, I won't think again. I just
1: I did it too, so they, yeah, yeah, they're going to piss it away. But this, this was a good match, and I think, <laughs> I think Elias is is, is I, I want to say he's better than people think, but I think everyone knows he's good now. I mean, I don't even know mm-hmm. if that's fair to say. A lo- yeah, he's
0: solid hand though. He's, he's, he's definitely gotten a solid hand status and I did not think that was going to be possible with The Elias, Drifter's so that, that, good. It's that, good yeah, to man, see. The
1: Drifter's good, you know, so I, I, and I really like this match. Um, you know, neck and neck with Brian Cass for the best match on the show, I, I in my opinion, because I wasn't as high on one that's coming up that a lot of people loved, but I guess we'll get to that because I don't know your take on it. Next up was Alexa Bliss uh, winning the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Actually, a lot of people really love this. Rich, I didn't like this. I thought uh, particularly the second half was just a series of uh, one woman climbing the ladder as slowly as possible and then someone else missing their cue and getting there too late to knock them down. I thought this really fell apart. The first half of the match with all of the car crash stuff was the, 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 the visual um, insanity that you like in a ladder match, where it's just okay, people are putting their bodies on the line. This is fun to watch.
0: This oh my god, that Sasha spot where she takes it like a fucking yeah, cross body onto a ladder. What are you
1: doing? Yeah, I mean, she's fucking that? nuts. Good she's god. insane. And and that half of don't the, do that. And that half of the match was a lot of fun. I thought the second half of the match was fucking dog shit. And 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 hammered home by the finish, where Becky Lynch was on that ladder for what felt like six years before alexa what the fuck was she doing before alexa who you know who you know finally decides to go out there and 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 go through the finish poor becky lynch first of all easily the most popular person in the match either her or naomi but i think lynch had her edged out poor becky lynch is the most popular like woman in the company and will never get a push and then they leave her hanging up on that fucking ladder cuz alexa bliss doesn't know what the fuck she's doing where is she what was she doing having coffee Okay, so, so Lynch is up there. She literally has it unhooked. She literally had it unhooked. So she looks like a goof because all she had to do was remove the fucking thing, but she's waiting for Bliss. You know, she should have took the briefcase off and won the fucking match to teach Bliss a lesson. Where are you? So Bliss finally decides to saunter into the ring. They, even the cameraman and the producer knew because did you see how tight the shot was on, on Lynch?
0: Yeah, it was like her face. It was like her nose. It was like zoomed in on. All you could see was her nose and her eyes. And I think they did a. Uh, I watched the replay of this, and I think they did a cut because it is not as long as as you're describing. But I know I've seen the gifs and I've seen people talk about it. But yeah, on the, on the network, I think they cut about 15 seconds out of the awkwardness because you see Lynch get up there and you see her kind of look around a little bit. Then you see her look down at Bliss and then Bliss is in the ring almost right away. So yeah, I knew that you could see it was an, like an awkward cut too that they did. They did but, a little uh, they editing. They huh? did edit it. So yeah, they did. They did.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So I didn't like this match nearly as much as as everybody else did. Um, and, and and the other thing is just, I'm so completely over ladder matches that it's going to be an uphill fight with me anyway with these, but um, this had a lot of fucking flaws in it, especially in the second half.
0: You know, I, I didn't mind it, I think, because I my expectations were absolute train wreck, and not like the good train wreck, like, oh my god, Lana and, and Natalia are in this match, like, this is going to be a disaster, and I like like you said, the first half I thought was really good, the second half, you know, left a little bit of desired, and, and that probably put it as a negative for me overall, but I think I came in with such low expectations that them just having a confident lat- mat- ladder match was enough for me to say, ah, you know, maybe a thumbs up or so, so I, I'm probably a little bit of a thumbs up, you know... Itching towards the middle, you know, not really all the way thumbs up, not a great match, but I enjoyed it. Because I, I really went in thinking it was going to be absolutely shit. So, so that was a benefit. And, and, and the people that I was really worried about, Lana and Natalia, did fine. I, Lana did, you know, she didn't do much, but she took a few bumps, which I was more than I thought she would do. But, uh, yeah, the Becky thing was definitely uh, uh, pretty egregious there. But I thought Sasha and the early bumps were, were, were pretty fun. But, yeah, the first half of the match uh, was really good. The second half fell, you know, on its face. But, overall, I, 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 I enjoyed it, and I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it. So you know, I guess a positive for you me. You know,
1: the second half of the match is really a microcosm of how they book and really how they booked the women. Alexa Bliss is a five-time champion. Five-time champion. And she's like, what, 24 or something like that? Maybe even a little younger? And it's like, it means nothing. Because the mentality of everybody gets a turn and all that. And really, if you look at the second half of this match, it was a microcosm of that. Everyone got a turn going up that ladder and teasing pulling it off and, and then got knocked off. It's like, you can't even let anybody stand out, even... Uh, uh, on the level of, 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 of an individual match you can't let anybody stand out it's just everyone has to have their their, their visual turn at winning the title, at almost winning the title it just makes you sick I, I, that's a problem, I can't, how can anyone care about these titles when Alexa Bliss has won five of them already, I mean how can you care how can you really give a shit when they do a title change it doesn't mean anything, they do seven or eight of them a year
0: Yeah, Sasha in that match alone. She's like, you know, four or five times. Charlotte's a five or six time. Like, it's just, yeah. Becky's obviously won it once, too. People probably forget that. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it is what it is. All right, let's get to Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal. Joe, the floor is yours. Reigns, Mahal. Yeah, it was, I mean, look, it was interesting. It was fun. I enjoyed this match a lot. Not because of anything that happened in the ring, but, you know.
1: What can we say that the Chicago crowd didn't? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, how look, it's the same old story. These are these are like the worst two guys to put in a match in a city like that where people uh, and giving these fans a chance to voice their displeasure because these are like the two poster children of people that nobody wanted pushed. Um so they got what they got here. And but they don't care. It doesn't fucking matter. You can chant whatever you want. Uh, they're never reversing course on, 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 on this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, it's, it's look, Roman Reigns is, is probably going to beat Brock Lesnar. I, I, you know, I don't know. It doesn't fucking, so it it really, you just, it, it it made it way more interesting than it would have been. I mean, it wasn't a good match, but you know, it's, it's what, what can we rich? What do you want me to say? I mean, right. Yeah. There's was, no, and
0: the announcers are just kind of going on. The match is going on. The, the chants don't matter. The crowd doesn't matter. It's just it, it is what it is. And, and there's always going to be that negative. You know, for we, we've been hearing, you know, hearing a lot of the oh, well, you know, Charles Robinson and oh, you're disrespecting these guys or whatnot. You know, you pay a ticket. You can do whatever the yeah, fuck I don't you buy want, that at if, all. If, 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 if
1: this isn't what you want to see, you have every right to chant it and boo it out of the bill. I mean that that's right. Like, and
0: that's you know, and, and there there is something to be said that like now the Roman thing is kind of you, you have fun when Roman's out there in the ring and you shit on the match and you, you But you know what? Who, Who's fault? They're allowed to do that. If they think he sucks and they don't, they're not interested in him, they're you know, they're under no obligation to sit there and go, Yeah, Roman, yeah, all right, let's go. Yeah, gender. Like you're under no obligation. And, you and think yeah. he sucks? And what you want to do is go out there and chant you both suck and NXT and CM Punk and boring and this is awful and, and Rusev Day and, and, you know, Velveteen Dream and NXT and all that sort of stuff. Then then you're allowed to because, you know, <laughs> they it, if they were great and they were compelling and people enjoyed them, nobody would do that. It, it's but they're not. And that's why people do that. So
1: whatever, you know, crowd is under no obligation to be polite if they don't like what they're saying. So Charles Robinson's way off base. Um, and, you know, if if if.
0: I was I was glad to see uh, Bully Ray really putting the uh, the hammer down on these fans <laughs> these you know fans that think they know what it is and trying to take over the show. Thank God, Bully Ray, the former Bubba Ray Dudley, who worked for Extreme Championship Wrestling, is really good about making sure that fans when they go there they chant you know they don't chant they chant what they want you to chant and you cheer who you want to cheer yeah. because Bully Ray Bubba Ray Dudley of Extreme Championship Wrestling you know from you know about 1995 until you know, you know 1999 he. Knows what it's like to work in front of crowds that will, no matter what, in you know 1995 to 1999 ECW, definitely just give you exactly what the wrestlers want every single time out there. So yes, I those were that. if
1: if those were some goose stepping crowds in Philadelphia <laughs> that did, that did everything like they were supposed to do. I mean, is he fucking kidding me, Bully Ray? I mean, he, he this guy's such a fucking joke. I mean, uh, we would go out in the crowd and beat everybody up if they didn't respond the way we want you worked
0: That's in. It's EC- funny. I've never seen those. Did you? Uh, you were at the ECW Arena a lot. How many times did Billy Ray f- kick your little punk ass?
1: Yeah, it's like you know, he, 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 a guy who came up in front of the crowds that invented this shit. They were the original <laughs> annoying, smart crowds. Who uh, give me a fucking break? And as for Charles Robinson, it's like you know, he wants to go out there and chastise the fans. Why doesn't Charles Robinson show some guts if he wants to pick on people? And, you know, uh, you know, and take a shot at the people that are presenting this match that was guaranteed to get this reaction. Because you're right. It It is kind of shitty for Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal to be put in that position. To be put in the ring with each other. When they are the two lightning rods for this stuff. Why doesn't Charles Robinson blame his bosses who are putting these poor guys in this position to get shit on like this? Why don't you show some guts and do that instead of picking on fans? The fans who are responsible uh, you know, for, for, for making sure all you guys get paid. They bought the ticket. They don't want to see it. You're going to pick on the fans? Why don't you show some guts and walk in the back and sit down with your bosses and say, uh, you know, uh, do not put my colleagues in this position. This is this is very unfair. But they won't do that. They'll pick on the fans. You know, it's like, come on, Charles Wright, get lost. It's real easy to, to, to blame the fans. You know, it's it's the company that put them in this position. Everyone knew this was going to happen.
0: Oh, especially in Chicago, too. I mean, that that is a dead to rights. The second I saw that match, I went, oh, boy. That's, that's half the reason why I wanted to go to the show, because I knew that that crowd would just shit on it you know, monumentally. So I was kind of curious to see it. Because if Roman Reigns is in there with a the guy that – because I've been there. I went to uh, – uh, well, I forget what it was. Maybe a Backlash or an Extreme Rules. I forget what the name of it was. Or a payback. It was. I think it was a Payback. And it was Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles a couple years ago. And the crowd did their usual Roman Reigns, you know, Roman Reigns sucks, whatever, th- that thing. But then AJ, they fucking got so behind AJ Styles, and that's what it was. It was like, we're going to rally behind AJ, we're going to do that, but you gave them gender, so what they're going to do is toss around a beach ball and chant Velveteen and Y2J and NXT, so... You know, I don't feel bad for you. You knew that. There's no chance in hell. I mean, if you didn't know that, you're a fucking lunatic. No, this is what you I, really I, need to I, get I, your finger on the pulse. If you really thought that Roman Reigns and Jinder Hall were going to go out in Chicago and the crowd was just not going to do exactly what they did and do the wave and fuck around with beach balls and, and not care at all about the match, you're out of your mind. You just don't have your finger on the pulse. If you, if you were back there and said, yeah, this is good. Let's do this, guys.
1: Yeah. And that's why I opened up the review of this match the way I did. They don't care. They left, they put those guys out there and left them out to dry because they they just don't fucking care. It doesn't matter to them.
0: All right, and I think the, I don't know if the match was good or not. I don't. I don't. I didn't care. I was just paying attention to the crowd for the most part. It so, wasn't you know. a
1: good match. It was a match. It was. It, it was. It was a two star match. It, you know, it's Jinder mahal. What's Roman supposed to do? In an atmosphere like that with the worst person on the roster, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You're not going to go out there and have a good. It's impossible under that scenario to have a good match. But you know, Charles Robinson should show some guts and go talk to his bosses then and and complain mm-hmm. that he's that they're putting these guys in, in this precarious position like this. That's who's at fault, not the fans. Why would the fans be into this? You ha- you have <laughs> you have one guy is who they already don't like that they that they perceive as being over pushed for the last 5 years and he's not likable on top of that and he's in there with another guy whose push flopped mightily who they don't like why would the fans sit back and go oh I'm going to give this one a chance right
0: and the story is that jinder screwed Roman Reigns out of being in the money in the bank and we're supposed to be like ah jinder god damn you, yeah, nobody you took Roman and- Reigns out of a championship opportunity you monster like
1: I'd like Charles Robinson to explain to me why fans yeah. should have been into this. The Roman reigns has been booked into oblivion. He's unlikable to begin with, and, and, it's the, and, and people have fucking turned on him, and it's Jinder Mahal. Oh, hey, come on! Come on, Charles, get lost.
0: <laughs> a little mage. Yeah, fucker. All right, um, let's move on to Carmella Asuka. Now now we're on to the good booking portion of this show. Carmella defeats Asuka because Asuka has to look at something. And it's James Ellsworth that she looks at. James Ellsworth returns. Thank God James Ellsworth back in this company. This r- ridiculous, the greatest roster of all time. And we bring James Ellsworth back and put him in a major storyline. Anyway, Asuka stares at him and stares at him and stares at him and then loses. But I think more than the finish... You know, the finish sucked and it was terrible. And it's... it's more than the finish... Whoever in the back, whatever agent, I, I would love to see the run sheet of this, because I want to find the agent that decided we have Carmella and we have Asuka. The world-traveled, you know, one of the, one of the preeminent Joshi wrestlers in the world over the last decade. We're going to have her and we're going to have Carmella. And what we're going to do for this 11-minute match is we're going to have Carmella take 95% of the match. And then at the end, even though the, the finish sucked... I think the other part of the match, it's so bad that Carmella was the one running. And I know that the thing that they do in this company is the heel works over the babyface until the babyface gets the comeback. That's what every one of the matches is. But can you even fucking fathom thinking that Carmella should be the aggressor and be on the offense and Asuka should be selling for Carmella for 95% of this match?
1: Look, you can, you, listen, you can pick on the match all day and you just did. Uh, my big takeaway here is Asuka has been reduced to nothing special. Like, Geek, an it's, absolute fucking geek. To, to, to
0: steal from Brian Alvarez, a fucking geek.
1: Yeah, it's, it's this company has a knack for making sure that nobody looks special. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon theory that that's by design. To keep the brand first and foremost and forefront. Um, that's, uh, you know, has gone from conspiracy theory to something that's totally plausible. When you look at the television deals that they're getting and those sorts of things, if you want to go down that road. It's the brand first don't let anybody stand out. It it they aren't a professional wrestling in the a professional wrestling business, you want to create stars and make people stand out. This isn't the model. I don't know what this model is. I haven't figured it out yet what they really are at this point now, but they clearly don't want people to stand out. You can't be this bad at it on purpose. Unless it's on purpose. Like you you can't Asuka is nothing now. She's just another fucking person on the and that's mm-hmm. amazing that they've that they've Like, in the past... In almost
0: record time, in almost record time, they got her to
1: just be completely nothing. Yes. And, like, past years, they would do this to certain people on purpose because, like, Taz. They did that to Taz on purpose. Taz came into the company at the Royal Rumble, was over like a motherfucker against Kurt Angle. And they just decided, look, we don't want Taz to be over, so we're just going to spend the next six years humiliating him every chance All we right. get. Rob
0: Van Dam is a great example, too. It took about seven years of Rob Van Dam getting pedigreed until he was eventually yeah, Once he, decided, yeah, right, once he
1: just- got busted with Sabu, yeah. that yeah, It's like, sometimes they just decide, we're going to break this person down because we can. and it. it that, now, I believe, I, like it, it's weird. I don't know if it's on purpose now, or, but, but they just have a knack for making sure that no one is special anymore, ever. Roman, I feel like they wanted him to be, and they've just fucking blew it. And then you have people like Asuka where it's like I, I, it's like it, it, it's almost you think they don't want them to be, so they break them down in this manner. What? Why was she staring at the person dressed up like her for fucking what felt like an eternity? Why? Like, like, well, just to make her like a heel should do. They should present a heel like that. Not a, not a it's it just I, ugh, what are we doing
0: yeah the faces are so fucking stupid in this company. this
1: is i don't <laughs> like, this why is why are we even doing people? this was awful why would you rally behind these people
0: why would you care about these people they're fucking idiots like Asuka's the dumbest fucking person in the world you would never rally behind her you know what Asuka would you know what would
1: you know what Asuka would have you know did in nxt she would have kicked that thing in the head and knocked yes. it off the apron and then finished off karma it's I, can we move on it was just awful
0: yeah let's Let's please move on. Uh, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, last man standing match. A lot of people laying down and a lot of counting going on for 30 minutes. Um, I like the end of this match. The rest of it could go in the fucking bin. So, yeah, I didn't really like it that much. This had a
1: great, great, great dynamic, um, gorgeous closing stretch with stuff that looked awesome. The table bump that finished the match couldn't have been any better. Everything from the Styles clash off the stairs to the floor onward was fucking awesome. He gives him the styles clash on the floor. He kicks him in the balls one last time to put a to put a capper on that. Then he puts him through the table. But the fir- and that was what the final minute. The first 30 minutes and 15 seconds were intolerably long, boring as fuck, totally non-compelling, um, and needlessly long. You could have done this match in 18 minutes. Um, and 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 it's like the last man standing stipulation is horrible to begin with cuz you just and this wasn't even that bad like normally every fucking 30 seconds you got the referee count oh what a devastating scoop slam let's see <laughs> yeah, if he that hip toss yeah. 1 2 yeah. 3 oh he's up all right and they didn't really do that to be fair they, they didn't, didn't they didn't do it too much they didn't yeah they, they've it.
0: been worse about it before yeah they that, did it I'll give them that they did
1: it early in the match to establish the the stipulation cuz you know you have to treat everybody like they're stupid so they did it early in the match to establish the stipulation, but then they kind of got away from it. But the match was as boring as fuck. This was the worst match between these guys, and believe me, they haven't been out there having a match of the year classics. But to me, this was their least interesting match. I'd have to say the greatest Royal Rumble match was their best, and this was their worst. And I predicted it would drag on until SummerSlam. I don't know. This kind of felt definitive to me, and they seem to have moved on on SmackDown with the gauntlet match that didn't include Nakamura and all that, so maybe they are finally done. It felt definitive. I'll give it that. We'll say something nice. It, the finish did feel definitive. And like, this yes. is over.
0: The finish was great. No, the last like five minutes were fucking awesome. Yeah. So you could probably skip, like I'll be, I'll be, whole, I, I don't Whole. usually say that for a match, but you could probably skip the first 25 minutes of this match and, and be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you just watch the last five minutes, I think you get enough out of it that, that you might actually enjoy it. It didn't and really set like, anything
1: yeah. up. I mean, you had a lot of goofy. No, right. You, you had, <laughs> right. It's just, you had a lot of goofy Nakamura faces. If you're into that, go watch the first 25 minutes. You know what's sad? This feud should have been fucking the one thing that carried us through the doldrums of the main roster lately. <laughs>
0: it's AJ Styles and shit's gonna work. And
1: all these matches they had really boiled <laughs> down to like a good five minutes. Yeah. They gave us five minutes of what they were capable of. And they gave us a, a countless amount of minutes of just boring, um, reductive, repetitive, ball-punching shit. I mean, it's <laughs> a good way to, yeah.
0: yeah, good way to sum it up. All right, let's move on here to the uh, Raw Women's Championship, we have Ronda Rousey, uh, defeating Nia Jax by disqualification, of course, because Alexa Bliss runs in, catches in her Money in the Bank, and wins the title. Uh, but we'll talk about the first part of the match. I guess they're two separate matches, whatever. Uh, the Rousey Nia Jax part. What do you think of what was going on uh, with that match? I thought Rousey Briefly.
1: looked great. Um, but agreed, yeah. People are going nuts over this match. I don't think it was any kind of great match. I thought it was a great Ronda Rousey performance. I think Nia Jax is not good. I think Nia Jax is just there, um, uh, but Rousey was was good. Yeah, look, Rousey's going to be good at this if she continues to take it seriously, especially if she continues to get better. Um, a lot of people had a problem with Rousey selling too much. I don't know; I was fine with it because I think she was good at it. Um, that didn't bother me. And you know, if they wanted to escape this match without having Rousey win the title and without Rousey losing, I thought the Bliss cash-in was creative. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, if you remove your emotion and just, like I said earlier, I don't give a fuck who holds this dopey title because it changes hands every month. So, I don't, you know, the cash-in didn't bother me. It didn't pop me. It didn't do anything for me. I just thought, from a storytelling perspective, it was something that they actually did well because it avoided Rousey being involved in the fall. They got Rousey out of the ring and not involved um, and then Jax, whose arm was already injured, you know, Bliss had something to go after. So I thought the whole thing came off well. This was the highlight of the second half of the show to me.
0: Yeah, I like the whole segment. I mean, when you, when you take it in totality of, of both matches and the and the, the cash-in and whatnot, I think all, all of it was good. Like you said, I don't really care that much about the title, so the, Black, the Bliss cash-in I thought was done well. She attacked the arm. It was you know, done with in about 30 seconds, which is about what it should be, and I thought Rousey looked good, and, and yeah, all you're doing there is setting up, you know, Bliss and, and Rousey for the future, which is is fine with me, so now Rousey goes away for a little bit, they obviously do the suspension angle, which is perfect for me, I think it's it's better if she, you know, comes in as, as a special attraction, but yeah, I thought she was, again, impressive, she's kind of nailing it, she's starting to get it a little bit, and I was somebody who was very apprehensive when she, when she came in, and and there was too much smiling for a while there, but she's she's got it, She the smiling's kind of gone, and and she's Taking big bumps and doing a lot of good stuff in the ring, so I'm I'm excited about this. I'm excited to see where she goes uh, in the future. And and yeah, it's 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 been a positive for sure. Nia Jax, I'm fine with her losing the title. I think it's good now, and hopefully she goes away and doesn't win the title again for a while. But yeah, so we're really setting up for Bliss and Rousey, which which I'm into. I think that'll be a pretty fun uh, feud and and pretty fun match uh, when we get there. So uh, we'll get to the main event here, and then we can move on to bigger and better things. <laughs> the uh, Money in the Bank uh, match for the uh, the World Championship, the Raw World Championship, or, or sorry, just any World Championship that you want here uh, for the men's. It's brunch Strowman, uh, he wins, uh, defeats Bobby Roode, who I guess was in the match. I'm not confirming that Bobby Roode was in the match, though. Joe, can you please confirm me that Bobby Roode was actually in the match? Because I'm reading this here, and they say he's in the match. I I don't think he was in the match, though.
1: When it's the Wu-Tang Clan up there, and there's a thousand people, who, what Wu-Tang member would he be? Who's the most anonymous Wu-Tang Clan member when they're all Oh, there?
0: man, the most anonymous Wu-Tang member. Not the one that you've had run-ins with, uh, not old Raekwon. No. Um...
1: He's not the most run-ins player. that made that made it
0: sound. No, no, I'm I'm saying he, it's not him. Yeah,
1: would it be? Uh, I, I said run-ins.
0: People like like I don't know, like a you god.
1: There you go. Like a so, so like
0: Capadonna. Now Capadonna's pretty good. You god, we'll go to you god. So
1: Bobby Roode was the u god of this of this of this Wu Tang Clan match. He certainly wasn't uh, your uh, who were your front line guys. You'd say no.
0: I mean, he wasn't your RZA. He wasn't your Jizza. He's not your Method Man. He's not your Raquan, He's not your old dirty bastard. No, no shot. He's not your Ghostface Killer. He's none of those guys for sure. And
1: Kevin Owens is old dirty bastard. Isn't he? Oh, for sure, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So you, we got who's it? I never even heard of this guy. Who was Bobby Roode?
0: You got, you got. That's
1: perfect because you wouldn't know he was in the fucking match. I, you know, he showed up every now and, <laughs> and then to fucking tip a ladder over, um, which maybe makes him make makes him the smartest. Look, he's a lot smarter than Sasha Banks, right? Because she,
0: yeah, oh yeah, he's he's he didn't have to use a hot tub the next day. He was good to go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, look, I thought nothing of this. I thought the Kevin Owens bump was insane and he deserves a lot of credit for that. The guy's a hard worker um, and, and he's going to do what it takes to uh, put in a fine performance no matter when he's in there. Uh, and that was a disgusting looking bump. Um, yeah, you know, Braun Strowman's the guy who this company should be going all the way with. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares whether they will? Um, uh, even if I have no emotional connection to Braun anymore or don't really particularly give a shit about Braun, that's clearly the guy they should be going with. Um, Finn Balor, look, I think when he hurt his shoulder when he won the Universal title, that shifted his trajectory forever. And, um, you know, that that's it for him. I, I really think who knows where he could be right now if he didn't get hurt when he won that Universal title because I really feel like they were going to get behind him at that point. Uh, now he's just in a long, long line behind a lot of people, and it's just too late. And you know what's funny? Is uh, you know, I thought Rusev was like the standout performer here. Um, the Miz was another one. He may as well have not been there. Um, you know, so I did look.
0: Yeah, he made a silly face, and that's pretty much all I remember from the yeah. Miz is that he made that silly face when Braun Strowman got back in the ring, and, and more power to him. Make a silly face, and get out of there. You're good to go. Yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> I've just look, and and again, it's an uphill battle. I've had it with these matches.
0: Wait, Samoa Joe was in the match too. None of these guys were in the match. Rusev was in the match. Owens was in the match, and Strong was in the match, and I think Kofi was. The rest of these guys, I don't think were. Samoa Joe was not in this match. I there was no you way.
1: Know, look, I do I, look. Can you?
0: No, I'm, no. I just got done watching this match. He was not in the match, and Bobby Roode was not in this match. I'm positive of it.
1: it. It's it's just there should be six people max in these things. You can't have eight people in these matches because then it's it's a point you know. But they got to shoehorn everybody in. You got to have 19 qualifying matches to fill TV time. I I don't know. Um, but uh, look, these are uphill battles for me. I. I've had it with these ladder matches. They don't do anything for me anymore. This one wasn't particularly great anyway. We just saw one in New Orleans, and we just saw one an hour earlier. I don't know. To me, Riches is like, I don't know, what, a three-star? How can you even rate like a three-star match? I didn't care. Three stars because some guys put their bodies on the line. I don't know. I'm not interested in this. I wasn't interested in this. It did nothing for me. I was bored. I wanted it to end so I could go eat dinner with my wife. I think I tweeted that. (sighs) I, you know, I had Brittany waiting for it. I just, I, I want to go see my wife. I'm tired of watching this show that I started at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. Can I just fucking, can it end? That's what, that's what this, that, that, and that's going to be a problem too. We're going to get to the main events on these fucking 19 hour shows that have a bunch of fucking trash on them. And it's going to kill the main events because you're going to just want it to fucking end. Especially for someone who watches it the next day. Live might be a little easier. But if you're watching this shit like Monday afternoon or Tuesday or something, you just want it to end.
0: Yeah, that's... (laughs) Yep, that's... That's where I was. All right, so that is Money in the Bank. That is Takeover. We mentioned the big cast firing. So there's that. Uh, let's get into some stuff that I think we're a little bit more excited about. It is the New Japan at G1 Climax season, G1 Climax 28. We have block announcements. We got schedules. We got all this stuff. Joe, how do you want to tackle this? We can run down the blocks. We can run down matchups. What, what, what do you kind of? We we should do this on a production meeting before the hand, but nah, screw it. We'll do it here. What do you want to do well, uh, for our G1?
1: Well, let's take a quick look at the blocks. I mean, block A, we've got Elgin, Evil, Faley. Makabe, Okada, Hangman, uh, Suzuki, Tanahashi, Jay White, and Yoshihashi. I think clearly there's more dead weight in the A block than the B block. When you look at the B block, you got Goto, Abushi, Ishii, uh, Naito, Omega, Juice Robinson, Zach. Oh my God, <laughs> B block. Zach Sabre Jr., Sonata, and then finally you get to Tamatanga. And uh, the night off, Yano. Um, really, in the B block, you know, Tamatanga has had like three or four years. This is his third or fourth year. It's not going to happen with Tamatanga. He's dead weight. He stinks. Um, the other problem with Tamatanga is almost every night, he's going to be the post intermission curtain jerker. Okay. So he's going to come out after intermission. And slotting of the matches is very important. And people forget that. When you're the first G1 match to hit the ring, you get less time, uh, you get less, you know, everything is, is, is it's not that you're not in the, a spot to shine. It's usually uh, not a very important match. Um, you know, in some cases, it's like with Yano, it's a night off for guys on a long tour. So Tama is the is the dead weight in this block, and really the only dead weight. I can't call Yano dead weight. Yano is there, like we talk about all the time, to provide an easy night of work for these other guys who are going to be crushing it against each other. Uh, so after you wrestle Tomohiro Ishii, and you're fucking sore, and you you feel like you want to die, you get a match with Yano two nights later, and it's three and a half minutes long, and he rolls you up and holds the tights. Um, block A, to me, has a much more dead weight. You've got Makabe, who I really want to see just sent out the pasture when it comes to G1 at this point. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, he's really disappointing, and I know why he's in. I get it, but it's like, yeah, I mean, he was super disappointing to see him here. And it, it, again, like, there's there's a charm to Makabe, and I know you know, locally they like him a little bit more, but yeah, he seems like a drag on this G1 this year for sure.
1: Yeah, and and, and you've got Fale, who might have one or two matches. Look, Fale's a great example of what I just said about placement. He'll have a couple of matches that are high on the card, Against guys he always works well with, like he's yeah. in a block. Yeah, race. he's
0: got a he's got a big time Tanahashi match, a big time Okada yeah. match. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're 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 definitely there. And and I think with Fale, too, similar to Toriano, is you need a guy like that too because Fale can win or lose any match, and it's it's you know he can beat Okada. Beat Tanahashi and then lose to Jay White or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not that unrealistic that he would do that and just be fine. So, that, that is kind of the bad luck folly thing. And the same with Torriano, you need some of those guys to kind of stabilize the blocks. We talk about this every year where Torriano can beat Kenny Omega and, and it's not going to matter. You know what I mean? It yeah. just works for points. Like, you need one of those guys. Kenny Omega doesn't lose anything in the long term. It's not like Torriano is going to get a title shot because he beat Kenny Omega or whatever, but it helps kind of work with the scoring. of Bad Luck Fale is one of those guys too. He can win and lose almost every match that he has.
1: And Fale will have poor to average matches with everybody else due to placement and chemistry and all those sorts of things. And then Yoshihashi, look, he's not going to go out there and have a bunch of great... He'll have a couple decent matches. But then, see, the thing about block A, and I think the reason why... Now look, I'm not making a case it's better than B. B is loaded, B is the better block. But the thing about block A is I think what drags it down too is people see Hangman Page and Jay White And those are two guys who people aren't very high on. But the thing is, I really believe one or both of those guys are really going to step up big and have a bunch of great matches. Now, if they both step up, the quality of block A increases dramatically. In fact, I would not be shocked if Hangman Page and Jay White both have better tournaments than Minoru Suzuki, who everybody kind of glosses over, but that's a guy who will take some nights off. I mean, he is not full on effort every night. And, Fuck it. He's Minoru Suzuki. He doesn't have to be. He's fucking 50 years old. He's a goddamn legend. I saw that guy in New Orleans. He didn't bust his ass in New Orleans. Rich, he didn't have to. He had everybody in the palm of their hands, both against Riddle and against uh, Jeff Cobb. Uh, you know, it's like you know he did He went out there. Yeah,
0: I, I saw him live in Chicago once. He did a team. He teamed up with K.S. and I swear to God, he did two things the entire match. He, you know, he slapped the guy, he chopped the guy, and then he held, held his hand up, and the crowd went nuts, and he tagged out, and that was all, and that was fine. That's all he needed to do the entire match. You're gonna
1: sink Kazaninare. He's gonna punch people yep. in the face. Like some look, he's gonna have his shit. But look, if you had to ask me now, I think Jay White's gonna have a better tournament than him, because I think Jay White, first of all, if you look at the booking and how it breaks down towards the end, he's gonna be in the mix, so he's gonna be motivated. Uh, and I think that Jay White is going to – he's a potential block winner. He's going to at least be in the mix. And I think he's going to go out there. and He's going to have big-time matches. I think Hangman Page is a guy who has impressed me this year. And I think he's going to go out there and have some – real. I wouldn't shock me if Page and White are better than Suzuki and really surprise a lot of people and, uh, and, and have a tournament on the – look, I, at the same level as an Evil or an Elgin or someone like that who I think people are confident are going to have – you know, fairly decent tournaments at worst. So I don't think A is as bad as some people think because I have more confidence in Hangman Page and Jay White. Um, You know, I don't think those guys are going to shit the bed. I think they're going to be pretty good. What's your take on the blocks?
0: Yeah, I mean, for the A block, I think I have similar thoughts to you as I think, you know, maybe... Elgin is a guy. Whether you you like the guy or dislike the guy, at this point, like he's a guy who's going to bust his ass and have some pretty good matches. So I'm not too worried about him. Fale is a guy. Who, like we said, on those big time moments, like yeah, he's going to have a stinker against a, a Togi Makabe, probably a stinker against you know a Minoru Suzuki. But his matches with with Okada and Tanahashi will be pretty good. They'll be fun, and, and he might sneak out some big wins too. So so I'll be keeping an eye on him. You know, Makabe is, is Makabe. Okada is Okada. That you know that we, we know that Page I think is a guy that's going to definitely be motivated. And I've definitely turned the corner on, on on Hangman Page a lot. So so I'm excited to see him in there. Minoru Suzuki is a guy that. Again, Again, like he could have great matches. Maybe against Okada, he'll have a good one. Maybe against Tanahashi, he'll have a good one. But you know, uh, your run of the mill matches, I don't think are going to be very good with, with, with Suzuki because that's just kind of what he is. Now, Tanahashi is Tanahashi. I think he's going to do some great stuff. He always does great stuff at G1 every single year. We go through this thing again. Tanahashi's done. He's he's slowing down. It's his his peak's over, and then G1 comes, and he's you know one of the best wrestlers in the world. And we all go, oh, yeah, Tanahashi's Tanahashi. And J White is the real big fan. Yoshihashi, whatever he's Yoshiashi. but Jay White is definitely the guy that I think he will turn the tables on this A Block. I think in a lot of ways, if he goes out there and has great matches and he's killing it, and like you said, he's in the mix, which presumably he is. You look at the, kind of the blocks, you look at the, at schedules, we'll get to here in a little bit. He is going to be in the mix one way or another. I don't know if he's going to win it, I don't know what's going to happen, but he is going to be in the mix in that block, and that's going to be fun to see if he knows that he's in the mix and he's motivated to have great matches. I think he is capable of having some really good stuff there, so he's going to really turn the corner. If he goes out there and has meandering, mediocre matches, that block isn't great. That block is a little bit down, but if he goes out there and kills it, you got him. You have Tanahashi, you have Suzuki. Sometimes you have Okada. Sometimes you got or, or Okada all the time. You got Fale sometimes, then Elgin all the time, and, and and Evil, who's a guy who can who can kind of rise and fall as well. So there's a lot of a lot of guys that can kind of ebb and flow on that block. But I think Jay White is going to be the key there if he's delivering great matches, that block gets a lot better. And then the B-Block, I mean, what more do you say? I mean, you have two guys that aren't good in Tama Tonga and, and, and Toru Yano. You understand Toroyano, You don't really care because it is what it is, so you don't really judge his matches. So essentially, you got one bad matchup, which is Tama Tonga, and even that, like, you're not going to get absolute, like, fucking dreadful, dis- awful matches. It's just they're going to be, you know, boring and, and, and kind of mediocre. I don't know. I don't think he's terrible. He, he, You've really turned a corner. You were, like, three years ago. We're all on. You were I was Yes, to, because
1: I was ready to give him a chance because I yeah, thought he deserved yeah. a chance. And then... He had the year where he wore the fucking, uh, fucking leggings. It's into, into <laughs> oh, the
0: leggings year. Okay,
1: and then, then he he got shamed out of wearing the fucking leggings. And then he had a, the next year. He look, I, I'm done giving him chances. It's very clear that he is what he is. That's fair. Which is,
0: yeah, I just don't think it's gonna be terrible. I think he's just mediocre. He is mediocre. But that stands out. It does stand out on these blocks, especially when you know you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that can fucking kill it in that B block. Every one of those matchups of all those eight guys. Sabre Goto, Abushi Goto, you know what I mean? Like That B-block, and you go through these matches and you look at these schedules, that B-block is going to be something else. It's just, yeah, the problem is the Tonga and, and Yano, but that's not a bad thing when you have eight other guys that are going to kill it every single night. Yeah, so. and
1: Tama and Yano are facing each other on the final night, which shows you that both, neither one of them are going to be in the mix. They're both going to have like four Oh, God, points. no, yeah. But, right. but that's the thing. With the A-block, look, Elgin and Evil are like those solid foundation guys you want in a block. Because they're always going to have a decent match every night. You know? So you have that. You've got your superstars with Okada and Tanahashi. It really hinges heavily on Jay White and Hangman Page. Because you know what everybody else is. You know what Makabe is. You know what Fale is. You know what Yoshihashi is. This block needs Hangman Page and Jay White to deliver. One of them at minimum. Both of them. And it's really not that bad of a block. But you need those guys to come through. Now Jay White. I, you just look at the final night. Hangman Page is facing Yoshihashi, so we know he won't be in the mix. He's in the jobber match. with Yoshi. There he's, that's the bottom-of-the-block match. Elgin Makabe. So you know Elgin's not going to be in the mix because you don't, Makabe's not going to be. So those guys aren't going to be in the mix. Suzuki Fale, I could see one or both of those guys being mathematically alive going into the final night and needing a win to stay alive and the other guy's spoiling, something like that. But then you look at the top. Of course, it's Okada Tanahashi because they need to fill Budokan Hall, right? But then J White Evil. That is so clearly an in-the-mix match. So clearly. And on top of that, Jay White is facing Okada on the first night. They always do a big first night upset to set the tone... And Jay White over Okada has that first night upset written all oh, over it yeah. to the point where Jay White is probably the favorite at this point. If we we're
0: Yeah, that's a mortal lock. I I want to put it. I mean, we're usually wrong with our predictions, but I I, I would almost go a mortal lock that Jay White wins that opener. When you con- they always do a, and, a, a, a big upset that night. They one. do.
1: And, look, and plus the story they're telling with White and Okada, where White is like this rogue member of chaos. And he's the only one that still has a title. And he told Okada he's coming for him. And Okada is sort of... Have you seen any of the this tour? Okada's like down in the dumps. He doesn't know how to act without yeah, his time.
0: Yeah, he's, he's kicking rocks. He's he's depressed. He's, he's when he, emo, yeah. When it's... he
1: teams with White, White gets introduced last because he's a champion and, and he's like rubbing it in Okada's face. White is beating Okada night one. So then what you're going to get on the last night, I think, is a scenario, okay, where White has the tiebreaker. This is why I think he could win the block. So, you know... He'll beat Evil because you're going to have to have drama in that final match. If White loses, then it just comes out So, you know, White will beat Evil. And then Okada, uh, Tanahashi could either spoil Okada or Okada, you know, it, it's like, it's like I think there's a good chance White advances because he beats Okada on night one and then edges him out on a tiebreaker of some sort or, or Tanahashi and Okada go to another draw or something. But, but by looking at the way the final night is booked and the way the first night is booked and the story they're telling, watch out for White. And if that's the case... And he's going to be motivated to go out there. And look, if he's going to be a block winner or even the potential winner overall, uh, which would be nuts, but I mean, you know, who knows, um, you know, he's going to want to go out there and blow people away on a night and night out basis. That's why I think he's going to be good in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I think one of the fun things uh, about it, and I guess we'll, we don't want to do our, our big sort of predictions, we can maybe do that here in a little bit, or as we kind of can, can, can get through the schedules a little bit more and kind of break stuff down. But I think one of the stories that I really like, and, and, and you sort of mentioned as well with the Kuzuna Road Tour, we got Emo Okada, who's, you know, grumpy and, and, and sad or whatever. It, to me, I think the exact thing that's going to happen with him is he loses to Jay White the opening night. Jay White gets that first win, which is, is a cool story as well. And then as well, the you know the second night of the B block, um, or the A block, I should say, on July 16th, he has bad luck folly. And I see him losing to bad luck folly, too. In the end, though, I, the, the story I think I'm going with right now, I don't know if I, I, I quite have it yet. I kind of have to maneuver it and, and figure out if it works. Is Okada then coming back from that down 2 to then win? you know, the, believe, right. the, the the A block or, or win the G1 or whatever it is. That's kind of the story that I'm playing. I mean, it's kind of the chalk story. It's kind of the boring story. But I, I feel like seeing those first two nights, knowing that he's going to be down 0-2 on those nights, right? He is losing to Bad Luck Folly and he's losing to Jay White. So that's a perfect story for him to kind of rise up from there. And one of the things that I look at as well, and again, like I'm not going to give my massive predictions here and there, but for the B block, I look at Omega and T- and Naito on the first night, uh, at July 15th, the first night of the B block. That seems like a perfect scenario for Naito to to to, to beat Omega, And eventually get that title shot somewhere between the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom because I'm still, and this is where I'm at and I know some people differ, I'm still at a Naito Okada for the next Wrestle Kingdom and I'm trying to figure out how I get to there. And that's kind of the thing when you're doing this. And we'll, we are going to have our pick them again. We'll have some news uh, about that hopefully uh, by next week. We'll have it all set up and ready to go. We're, we are doing the pick them again. But w- when you do the pick them, you kind of have to work from Wrestle Kingdom back. Okay, I this is what I think is going to be the main event. Now, how are they going to do that throughout this G1? How are they going to do that? Who's going to win this? Who's going to win that? That's a great way to go about it. And to me, I see that as, as a perfect opportunity for Naito to beat Omega, Naito to get a title shot sometime between G1 and Wrestle Kingdom, win that title, and then defend it against Okada at Russell Kingdom, but you know, like I said, I still have to kind of work that out in that scenario. But that I think is the way, the way I'm going with this, but not quite sure yet.
1: Yeah. So, what do you think is the what's the chalk prediction? What is the safe prediction for the G1? Because I think it's um, in my opinion. It would be like you're saying, Okada coming back with the big comeback after starting off O2, and Naito at some point. Beating Omega in his match, but then not necessarily even winning the block. Okada winning the whole tournament. Naito earning a title shot based on beating Omega, then beating Omega King of Pro Wrestling to set up Naito Okada at the Dome again. Do you think that is the chalk path, the safe path? Yeah, I... <sighs> I, don't,
0: I think it's the safe path because I think that's what I think they're going to do. But I don't know if that's the chalk path. I guess we'll see when we do our pick ums and, and what people pick. But I could see a lot of people thinking that Naito just wins the whole block. And that Naito wins the B block and then he has the briefcase and then faces whoever at Russell Kingdom And then you figure out how to get there. I feel like that's going to be the, the, what I think might be the more chalk. Or even the, a scenario where Kenny Omega wins it so that you can kind of change it up a little bit. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they always like to have that challenger be there. I don't know. I, I feel like it to me that the obvious and maybe the chalk pick is Okada, but I could see a lot of people thinking that Naito just wins it because he seems like he's due for the title shot and they maybe aren't looking a few steps ahead. Like we're looking at the because we know that, you know, if a guy beats this guy, then he's going to get a title. And we're, we're sort of working from the assumption that this is what we think Wrestle Kingdom is going to be, but there might be people that don't think that that's what the Wrestle Kingdom match is going to be. So I could, I, I don't know. I could see it being that. I could see Okada. I feel like in the A block, Okada emerging and 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 winning the whole G1 and then Naito uh obviously winning his block and emerging I think are the two chalk picks otherwise I don't know who else kind of stands out as like guys that could definitely pick I guess Bushi might be one that a lot of people pick uh, It might be a kind of a surprise one there uh given where he's kind of booked and stuff but to me I think the obvious pick is is the one that I made with uh, with Okada there but I'd be interested to see where people uh where people deviate
1: Abushi's the pipe dream pick he's not winning and I don't think Omega's winning as the as the champion either I think that The other theory that I'm hearing a lot is the Wrestle Kingdom show falls on a weekend in 2020. So maybe you save Okada and Naito for 2020 because that way you can really pack the place. Because you get the weekend bump, plus you have your biggest match. And you do a different match in 2019. I don't know if you fuck around that much and overthink it. I think you always just do your best match. Um, That's the way I think anyway. Yeah, that's a a lot
0: in the future. A lot can happen in two years, so I might not do that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you look at the B, we looked at the A block final night already. You look at the B block final night, it's Omega Abushi, because again, they got to fill Budokan. To me, once they put Abushi and Omega in the same G1 block, to me, that threw out the possibility of an Omega Abushi Wrestle Kingdom main event. I do think Omega Ibushi would have been a, a, a very legitimate and possible Wrestle Kingdom main event, but you would have wanted to do it like the first time there. You don't want to do it. They're not going to do it in a G1 and then do it, turn around and do it a few months later at Wrestle. You want it, you right, want right, it to I be agree. as fresh as possible for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so to me, that's that's why I am completely throwing out the possibility of Omega Ibushi in the main event because they ended up in the same block. And I get why they did that because they got to, that's the other thing. You got to fill Budokan Hall this year, not Sumo Hall. And there's a couple thousand extra seats on each night. And remember, they always sell out the final night. And they've already sold out the final night, by the way, which is fucking insane, okay? They've sold out the final night. But they usually do not sell out those other two nights, even in Sumo Hall. You know, they'll do 7,900, 8,100, you know, 6,500, not that long ago for, like, the first of the three nights. It builds as it moves along, and the final sells out. But... That's a lot of fun. Now you got to fill 13,000 seats or whatever it is, three nights in a row. So you were going to get Tanahashi Omega, which uh, Tanahashi Okada, which I do not think uh, will sell out that first night, uh, and, and and you're and you're going to get matches like Omega Ibushi, which I think does have a good chance of selling out that second night. Third night sold out already, but you have Omega Abushi, which will be the match that you know decides the block in some manner. I would think Ibushi spoils Omega, and Naito beating Zack Sabre Jr. And what'll probably be the semi-main event will probably win the block for Naito. I mean, that's the way I see it. I don't see anybody else being a factor. Um, Obviously not Yano and, and Tonga. They're in the jobber match. Ishii, Sonata. I could easily see both of those guys eliminated. Ishii's a guy who never gets any kind of a push in this tournament. And Sonata's a guy you don't have to do anything with yet. And then Goto Juice Robinson. That's really the Fale, um you know, the the, uh, the the Fale-Suzuki spot, where I could see one or both of those guys being mathematically alive, but they won't be factors. It's going to come down to those other four. And I do also think it's interesting that much like Jay White in the A-Block, Zack Sabre Jr. is being booked to be right in the mix in the B-Block. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that just goes to show, I mean, you know, they were never going to have him beat that murderer's row of opponents that he defeated in winning the New Japan Cup Without elevating him, and 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 you know there were people saying you know post post title loss against Okada they didn't do much with Zack Saber Jr. He wasn't even working full tours. He's done nothing but work tags. That's the come down from the title loss. Uh, the, the, if you know anything about the way this company books, nothing was going to matter until we saw how he was booked in G1, and this is a huge clue as to how he's going to be booked in G1. He's in a loaded block, and he's being booked to be in the mix going down to the final night. And honestly, Rich, I don't think he will, but it would not shock me if he won the block. He could win the block. Uh, Am I saying he's the odds-on favorite? No. But could he win the block? Yeah, sure he could. He's facing Naito in the final night. He could beat Naito, and and then, you know... uh, you know, it can come down to if Abushi wins, Saber advances. If Omega wins, Omega advances, and and Saber could win. That can easily that, that scenario is, is can easily occur. Uh, so. yeah oh
0: absolutely yeah and that, that's that's cool that's cool that there is that guy in there and yeah like you look at that final night and you look at him versus Naito that's going to mean something Naito is not going to be yes. in a nothing match on the last night <laughs> you know in Budokan Hall right. that's going to matter and and that sort of unfortunately kind of tips the hand a little bit there but I mean there, there are a few like you said Ishii and Sonata they're, they're probably not going to be players I mean, maybe there's an outside chance that Sonata is kind of a player in there I doubt it uh, and Goto Juice Robinson I mean I guess Goto we, we've been surprised in the past about Goto but that doesn't seem like the type of match I look at Naito and Saber I look at Omega and Abushi look at those two matches going, okay, August 11th, the final night of the B block, those matches are what's going to matter. And that's cool that, that Zach Sabre Jr. is in that mix there. So that, that is really cool to see, and it will open up that block a lot.
1: I, I really don't think a Jay White-Zack Sabre Jr. final is impossible. And I know people think that's crazy, but remember, the final night is already sold out. It always sells out in advance. It doesn't fucking matter. You don't need a huge drawing match for that final. We've been over this. We go this over this every year, okay? And here's the other thing. Everyone else is screaming, okay, we concede that. You don't need a huge drawing match for the final, but those guys can't main event uh, the Wrestle Kingdom. They can't main event the Tokyo Dome. Okay, I agree, but you forget the briefcase is defended along the way, and they've never had anybody lose that yet. Who's to say that one of those guys can't win the G1, which helps in their elevation, but then they lose the briefcase along the way, so they don't end up main eventing Wrestle Kingdom. There's always that little factor that no one remembers because then no one ever fucking loses that match. But that's always a possibility too. So can
0: right, j- and I think if if you're gonna do it any year, if you're gonna have like a surprise guy come there and win the whole G one, this is probably a good year. Considering they basically announce shows and sell them out immediately, so it's like you know, if you wanted to kind of fuck around with it and have yes. it a little tell a little mini Jay White story for a few months, it's justifiable. If you want to tell a little Zack Saber Junior story for a few months, you know, into the fall and then have him lose it and then set the stage, you can do that. And this is probably the year to do it the most of any other year because the business is so hot and the business is so good. You could say the risk there is you don't want to fuck up what's good and what's. But this might be a great opportunity to elevate one of those guys briefly, and then by the time, you know, the end of fall comes and power struggle and whatnot, then everything's back in place, and, you know, they won their G1, they lost the briefcase, that's fine, now we kind of have the guys. And I don't think these guys lose anything by that because it'd be such a rise up for them to win that briefcase. It'd be such an elevation for them to get to that level just in the first place. That if even if they lose it, I think it would still be a positive. Whereas, like, if Okada won the briefcase or whatever, or Naito won the briefcase last year and then lost it, that's kind of shit. It's like, oh, fuck, like, wow, that guy really blew it or whatever. Whereas, I don't think a a white or a a saber, if either of those win it, that if they lose it in you know October or whatever, that people are going to look down upon them because it's like, wow, they they still won that G1 briefcase, that's still a big deal. And now it's in play, and now you can always tell the story that hey, look, this briefcase isn't a guaranteed Wrestle Kingdom birth, like, you got to work this thing. And yeah, it's been easy for the last five years or whatever for people to defend him, but no, it's Not always that way. Some guys can lose, and I think this would be a great year to do it if they were going to go that route.
1: Yeah, because these guys are on the come-up. So it's like, and, and of course it would depend how it happened. There's there's always the possibility. It depends sure. how they lose the briefcase challenge. If they look like geeks in the process, it can hurt them, absolutely. But, um, you know, if Zack Sabre Jr. wins New Japan Cup and wins the G1 in the same year, he could survive losing that briefcase to a megastar at King of Pro Wrestling. And it'll be a megastar because the Wrestle Kingdom main event is going to be two megastars. You don't, you, you're not going to lose anything losing a match to, to Tetsuya Naito, Kazuchika Okada, or anybody at that level. You're not, you don't, you're just not. Especially if you just won the G1, it'd be another step in their elevation. It'd be, um, you know, uh, something to keep all of these guys busy until the the dome, and it'd be a nice curveball finally to throw because no one's ever lost that briefcase and no briefcase winner has ever won the main event at Wrestle Kingdom. That's going to end eventually. And I'm not someone who's annoyed that neither of those things have occurred yet because I think they're more special if they if they haven't happened yet. Whereas that's why I'm so frustrated with the money in the bank briefcase and don't care about it anymore because everybody cashes in and wins. There's been like three right. there's, only, there's only been like three people who haven't won. Baron Corbin uh, Mr. Kennedy and fucking uh, I think
0: Cena. I think Cena lost one too. And
1: Sandow, right? And that, that's about it. And then it,
0: uh, oh, Sandow. I think Cena might have lost one too. I don't remember exactly. I don't recall Cena losing, did, but I could be wrong. I
1: don't recall Cena losing one, but those three for sure, I recall losing them. Um, everyone else has ever had it has one. So it's like I rather be the opposite way where it, it's 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 meaningful and special because it almost never happens. It should be hard to win the G one defend that fucking thing, and then win the title at Wrestle Kingdom. That should be an enormous task. And they've built it up to be an enormous task. And I like that. But this, like you're saying, is a prime year. Because for the first time, like, look, there have been years where, like Naito last year, like, everyone knew he was winning in the back, but we tried to come up with scenarios where he wouldn't. You know what I mean? Just to be cute. This year... There are legit scenarios for Okada. I've seen people pick Tanahashi. I just made a case for Jay White. I just made a case for Zack Saber Jr. Obviously, Naito's going to be in the mix. That's five people who you can make a real and a, throw a Bushi in. That's six people who it wouldn't be completely outlandish if they won, and you can come up scenarios where they would. I, you know, I I think this year is unique in that respect. I, I you know, I, I don't know if there's necessarily, uh, you know, I guess Naito would probably be obviously. the the trendy pick. Well, not the trendy pick, but the most popular pick when we do the pick-em. He'll probably come out percentage-wise as the most popular pick, but we may see uh, a bigger variance um, than we've ever seen before, and I'm very curious to see.
0: Yeah, like last year we had, I think there was like... Two guys, you know, it was it was it was it was your Naito. Of course, was one of them. And 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 yeah, it was like two guys had like you know forty and forty, and then there was a bunch of other stragglers and people that just kind of decided, hey, I'll pick you know Sonata or whatever, and see what happens. Or I'll pick Tamatanga or whatnot. I'll see what happens. Like guys that were just kind of doing like the the, the the rogue pick just to see what the hell would happen, and maybe hey, maybe I get lucky and, and that pick wins or whatever. But for the most part, everybody picked like the same two people, same three people at at the most, and that's how it's kind of always been uh, at, traditionally as we've done this. But yeah, this year is going to be really fascinating to see. I hope that there is that. I hope that there's like six people that people pick or five people that have legit chances. Because that'll make it more fun. It'll make the scoring a lot more fun. And I think that they've done it. I mean, this year is one where it looks like that. And we could be, you know, severely wrong. But I don't think we are. I mean, we look at those last two nights. I think we're pretty good at sort of tracking how that's going to go. And we look at those two nights and and, and see that those guys are all in prominent spots. So, yeah, that'll be really fun to see uh, about that. But, of course, as you said, we'll have uh, details about our G1 uh, Climax Pick'Em. Uh, as we get closer to the tournament, which kicks off on July 14th, Joe, anything else about the G1? Or we're gonna be we're gonna be doing plenty of G1 talk from now until yeah, July this 14th. This is hardly so the last
1: worry. hardly the last time we'll talk about it. I was looking at the schedule, and there's one rough stretch which is gonna kill a lot of people in terms of falling behind. July 19th through July 22nd is four nights in a row. Uh, right in the middle of the tournament, that's like the only stretch though where there's four shows in a row. And then after that, they take like four days off. So if you feel like you're falling behind between the 19th and the 21st and the 22nd on those four straight shows they don't have another show till the 26th do you don't you can pace yourself because you got 4 days in between to catch up so and then there's no other stretch longer than 3 days in a row for the rest of the tournament so i don't know how that compares to past years i never really looked at it to be honest with you but that looks to be the only rough stretch and they do give you 4 days off after that in terms of... Uh, yeah, it feels,
0: like, it feels like they're more spread out this year. But again, like I, I said, I'm not looking at last year's schedule. I don't know. But it just feels a little bit more spread out than it was prior years. But there, there are still those, like you said, those four-in-a-row things and, and one thing that is mentioned as well they're all gonna be live and they're all gonna have English commentary as well every single show yeah. live every single show English commentary so that'll be pretty cool which when it means when they're live with the benefit of live too is that it'll be immediately up on New Japan World so even if you don't watch it live you won't have to wait a day or two like what happened the best of Super Juniors is I got caught behind because they would not upload the one night until you know two days later when I was like oh Jesus like I'm not, now I'm like way behind here whereas everything here is gonna be like that next morning it'll be up for you if you're not watching it live so that will be pretty cool
1: here's the other thing too you don't have to watch it all like, no. <laughs> don't be an idiot. Like, I have to watch it all. Okay, I have to, because i got to come on here and talk about it. Um, but you don't have to watch it all. Like, if you're, if, if you're just a casual New Japan fan, here's what you have to watch. got to watch the first two nights. I think, you, I think those you have to watch the first two nights. And I think you have to watch the last three nights. I don't think you have to watch anything else. I think you have to watch the first two nights. You have to watch the last three nights. And in between, pick your faves. You want to watch all of Okada's matches or Naito's matches or you want to make sure that you see Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii or you want to make sure that you see Zack Sabre Jr. versus, uh, you know, Kota Ibushi. Do it that way. I think what happens to a lot of people is they put pressure on themselves. Oh, I've got to watch every match. Look, you don't have to see Mike Elgin versus Bad Luck Folly. Why do you have to watch that? Don't do that to yourself. Trust me. Yeah, it's like I I don't want to watch a lot of these matches. You think I want to watch Jay White versus Yoshihashi? Yeah, you think I wake up on the morning of, let me see when that is. (laughs) It's August 2nd from Fukuoka, okay? You think I'm going to wake up on August fucking 2nd at 8 o'clock in the morning and stretch my arms and go, fuck yeah, it's Togi Makabe versus Hangman Page. I've been waiting all summer for this. No, I don't even want to watch it. But I treat this like a job. And Rich treats this like a job that doesn't fucking pay anything. And and we, we have to watch this stuff. You don't. You can blow off Makabe versus Hangman Page. You know, the G1 grind is very real. There's no denying it. You know, the the dog days hit, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta do this, and let me see what's on the show. Ah, fuck, it's Jay White versus Makabe and Yoshihashi versus Bad Luck Fale. Jeez, that's an actual show. Look at this Osaka show, Rich. It's Okada versus Evil, right? It's Tanahashi versus Elgin, and then look at the rest of this show. Jay White versus... Jay White versus Togi Makabe, Minoru Suzuki vs. Hangman Page, and Yoshihashi versus Bad Luck Fale. Let me tell you something: if we're not doing this show, I'm Skip not watching. i those three. I'm not watching those, those three, three matches. I'm not watching them. You know, I, you know, it, 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 that's the bottom line. I'm watching those other two matches, and I'm moving on with my day. So, uh, you know, th- that's a thing too. But yeah, we'll we'll talk a ton more, a ton more G1, uh, moving forward. We got plenty of time to get to it all, um, so.
0: All right, and we'll do uh, our last topic of the day, a pretty interesting one here, uh, with uh, Ring of Honor losing their MSG date. So here's kind of the uh, the, the story. This came from uh, Figure Four Weekly, uh, WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, ROH COO Joe Koff did an interview with PW Insider today where he noted that Madison Square Garden said they were backing out of a show after, quote, communications from WWE. His quote was, I'm not going to discuss beyond the statement because I am not going to litigate this in the press. We had a deal with Madison square garden and they told us they were backing out after communications from the WWE. We are not able to get any other dates in any kind of discussion. I'm expecting that our lawyers will be contacting all parties involved. And the best we can hope for is that we can find a resolution so we can bring the kind of energy and excitement that ROH and our partner, new Japan to a bigger audience and to bigger arenas and to the fans Of New York City. Now, this planned event, we had mentioned it a few weeks back. I was planning to take base uh, take place Saturday of next year's WrestleMania weekend. So that would be uh, the same day as like the um, Takeover special and whatnot. Assuming that Takeover would be on the same day, we don't know. But WWE is doing all their stuff from Barclays. ROH tried to to slide in and do something WrestleMania weekend uh, at Madison Square Garden. That has now been taken off the books. They cannot do it. The Garden said they had communications with WWE, and that is no longer a factor. Uh, Joe, what do you make of this whole situation?
1: Yeah, WWE didn't want New Japan in Madison Square Garden. I mean, you know, yep. that's 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 what this is. It's uh and 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 not because they think New Japan is any kind of like serious threat to their fucking, you know, it, it, you know, Madison Square Garden is their fucking building. And I'm sure that they're going to work to get Triple A out of there too. Um but, you know, New Japan is the de facto number 2 and they definitely did not want New Japan in there. And let's face it, even though it was Ring of Honor maybe on the marquee, it's going to be a New Japan show. You're going to have It's WrestleMania weekend. You were going to have, uh, assuming there was no tour, uh, which I don't think there probably would have been, you were going to have all the big guns because it's MSG. You were going to have Okada, Omega, Tanahashi. They did not want Kenny Omega in in Madison Square That's the bottom line. Um, And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe if this were a different city this year for Mania weekend or something like that, and it was, I don't know. So what's the dopey basketball building in Minneapolis? Target Center? Is that what it's called? Or the
0: Target tar- Center, yes. Uh,
1: yeah, so the Target Center, it is the Target Center, maybe if, home
0: of the Timberwolves. Joe, come on.
1: Yeah, so maybe if it, this was a Minneapolis, if this was a yeah, links around, yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> the I, WNBA, I don't know I have no idea either. Um, you know, maybe if this was a Minneapolis WrestleMania and it was the fucking maybe they would have probably you know would have had that building booked. But you get what I'm saying. Maybe they don't work as hard to keep them out because MSG is also that's their fucking home base. You know, so there's a little bit of an embarrassment factor that plays into it as well. Uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, Ring of Honor. Look, I would like to see Sinclair and WWE litigate against each other and fucking, you know, outdouche each other. I would have I would have some interest in that. Uh, so
0: Oh, absolutely. And this would be a great case for it. I mean, honestly, Ring of Honor has a great case for it. I mean, it is, it is anti-competitive. Yes, it, is. <laughs> it is, you know, for, for no reason whatsoever, WWE is just saying, no, you can't run this show. It's like, well, are you using it? No, but you can't run it. And that's right. you know you can litigate which that that into, could be a thing.
1: Yeah, which comes into the question exclusivity with buildings, which McMahon has done for many decades, and all those sorts of things. What the legalities of that? This can be turned into something much bigger. Um, you know, and, and and you know, I would be interested to see all that play out. And just as a rest from a wrestling fan perspective, I think wrestling is better the more competitive it is. I would want to see Ring of Honor win that. I would want to see. Um, you know i i want to see other companies able to do things that can help grow their business I, I i because i think that makes pro wrestling more interesting for me as a fan the bigger and stronger and wider the gap is between wwe and everybody else the worse that pro wrestling is for me as a form of entertainment so from my standpoint you know i would like to see wwe lose things like this um but you know it's 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 interesting that they squeeze them out. I'm sure they're working to get AAA out of there, um, unless they think that it'll bomb so tremendously that it, it's more embarrassing for them to run than not. Because
0: um, yeah, I, I think, like you said, the pride the pride is a big factor as well. That's that's their arena, even though they don't fucking use it for anything major anymore. Which you know, right. is, is, is another question all to itself, but still, I think it'd be embarrassing if another company to them, moved in there. But I, I wonder, yeah, New Japan, I know for sure that they were worried about them in New Japan and Ring of Honor because that was going to be a successful show. I think we, oh, yeah. we know that. We know that that was going to be a successful show. They might just say, you know what, Triple A, have fun. <laughs> you know, It's going to bomb tremendously, whatever, have fun. Go ahead and do it, but yeah, they might have because the New Japan and, and Ring of Honor thing, like they, those guys were probably gonna when it was all said and done, maybe even lose money on that. Like I don't know what the, the the financials of that show was gonna be, but that was more about hey, we are gonna run this show in WWE's backyard at their former arena and get you know whatever eighteen thousand people, seventeen 000. like that was kind of the, what I think that that goal was gonna be for that show or whatever, and that's sort of a pride thing and that that you know flies in the face of WWE. It makes them look looking there is a, a a company or two companies or whatever in their backyard at their old arena having a hot crowd at a big time show and and, and doing all this and that that's a pride thing for sure i don't know if triple a is going to be that i think they might just let them go and sink on their own i don't know
1: yeah yeah we'll see and i guess while we're on the topic of ring of honor we should uh let's blow through this best in the world uh lineup real quick because the show is in two weeks correct
0: uh yes the 26th i believe let me find that date to be sure no, nah, it's not 26. I don't know what the hell the date is. Uh, 29th? 29th? Right? Sound right? Next Friday? Oh. Next Friday. Next Friday. Yep.
1: Bottom line is, we could have done this next week, but we happen to have a little, uh, a few spare minutes this week, and maybe we won't have time next week. So uh, let's give this a quick preview and then wrap this baby up. How about that? Sounds great. Okay, so we've got Sumi Sakai, Jenny Rose, Maya Iwatani, uh, Tanil Dashwood against Kelly Klein, uh, Kagetsu, Hanakamura, and Hazouk. Who the hell is Hazuq? What is that? Is that I
0: have no idea who, who or what Hazuq is. But
1: I mean, obviously yeah, you've got to
0: dig into Hazuq.
1: They're bringing the Joshi girls back for this one. I get that. Um, maybe that's what who Hazuq is. I've never heard of Hazouk. I do not follow uh, Stardom at all. Um, but uh, but this is an eight man tag or an eight woman tag. Uh, Sumi Sakai, I'm shocked that she was champion to begin with, and I'm shocked that she's still champion. You saw her survive the Jenny Rose Challenge live in Chicago, correct?
0: Yes, it might be Hazuki. I might have done a a, a bad copy and paste here, because that's what uh, that's what she is in stardom. It's Hazuki. Because okay. I didn't think so, Hazu- Hazuki was
1: much of a Japanese name, so I didn't know what the hell
0: was <laughs> No, no, that's a weird name. So that might have been my error, or I don't know. But it, it, it's very possible as well that Ring of Honor had an error on their website too, but it may have been a copy and paste error, so anyway.
1: Is the, does the old judge Jeff Jones still do that, or is he gone?
0: I think he's gone. <laughs> I he? don't know. I have no idea. What a prick! That guy a was prick. a
1: shithead, well. absolute shithead. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> best you could hope for here is a challenger emerges. I I am shocked that Sumi Sakai is still champion. I can't believe it. Um, but we'll see if a challenger emerges out of that eight woman tag uh, loaded up with stardom talent. That could be a lot of fun. If you know, I don't. No, that's think a it, lot of
0: talent on that match.
1: I don't even think it needs a lot of time. It's an eight. It's an eight woman no, tag. No. Just go nuts. Just fucking. Do flippy shit and make it a high spot, heavy match, and 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 just you know, uh, I don't think it needs to go 20 minutes. That could be an eight minute match and still be a lot of fun. Uh, but I think the key is to have a challenger emerge. We got Kushida versus Jay Lethal in the television build. Jay Lethal is building this as a battle to determine the best in the world. Rich, do you feel? That these two men are the two best wrestlers. I like both of these guys, but I think Jay Lethal's laying it on a little thick.
0: Reel it in there. Reel it in there, Lethal. Take a step back, buddy. The, that's uh, that's a little much. The, that's a little-
1: the show is called Best in the World. Lethal's gimmick is he's the best wrestler in the world. So I kind of get it. But it kind of comes off a little weird when nobody watching thinks that this is genuinely a match. To determine the best wrestler in the world, as much as I yeah, am. I mean, I
0: guess you like the confidence, you you know, you want your guy to you know think he's the best in the world, but yeah, it's a little, it's a little it
1: pump the brakes a little, yeah. Uh, Bully Ray <laughs> against Flip Gordon. Oh, God. hey, listen, Bully Ray's still here. Listen, you were there, Bully Ray. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Oh my God, did you watch that segment? I did. You watch Bully... that segment, of course. Bully oh, Ray, Bully Ray respects Montana, so that was the basis oh. of this one.
0: His family had a farm there, and then his mom died or something. I'm like, what are you? T- it was it just never ended. What are you talking about? Shut up. Go away. Retire again, please. Dear now God. in all
1: now in all seriousness, we're talking about a company now where booking decisions actually matter. Well, Flip Gordon needs to win, right?
0: Yes, he. Jesus, if he does not win, good lord.
1: I mean, he has to win. But is Bully just gonna <laughs> yeah, take yeah. take Turns' job into all these? I mean, what? Then what? I'm not certain that he does.
0: No, I. If he wins any of them, I, I feel like this is one that he probably does win. You
1: know, Flip has to win.
0: I know he does, but
1: no matter what you think of Flip, I, you know it's a homegrown guy that they're pushing, and that they need to push because they don't have many homegrown guys. He's got to win the match. This is like
0: he needs to. He he should beat Boy Ray in like two minutes. You know what I mean? Like just absolutely fucking do away with Whoa. him, like right away.
1: I will. Send him that's out to not, pasture. That's not happening. No, but... send,
0: send him out to fucking pasture.
1: <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done with the bully rate thing. Yeah, I mean, bully's role here, especially with the story they're telling, should be the job to all these guys. So uh, hopefully flip wins. Right. Um, TV title, this is a street fight. Now, this threw me a curveball because I thought for sure we were going to get a Silas Young, Austin Aries, Beer City Bruiser, Kenny King, like four-way match based on all the shit that they shot in Chicago. But then Punishment right. Martinez goes and wins the title in Texas last weekend. Um that's the show I didn't watch. I watched the San Antonio show. Um I did not see the Dallas show, so I did not see the Punishment Martinez Silas Young match. But hey, he's your TV t- he's your TV champion now. He's already been feuding with Adam Page. So now instead of that clusterfuck that that was probably not going to be good, I think we win here as fans. We get Punishment Martinez defending against Hangman. Which I think can be a better match than whatever four way bullshit they were setting up with the other guys. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, and these
0: two guys? have had good matches. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I'm always, I will always take the singles match over any four way convoluted thing yeah. and whatnot. And and these guys have had decent matches in the past too. So I'm I'm looking forward to it a little bit. These guys, yeah, Punishment I think is a guy that I'm I'm, I'm pretty high on right now, and and Page is a guy I'm kind of growing uh, to like a little bit more. So yeah, I like this. I think it's way better than any four man convoluted you know multi man match. So yeah, I'm, I'm thumbs up for sure on that.
1: And before you get on me, I understand Flip is not didn't come from the ROH Dojo, but in all intent and purpose, he's, would you consider him? Right, he's, by he's the, their
0: guy. Yeah, by their is, if, When you think of Flip Gordon, you think Ring of Honor. You don't think you know Northeast Indies. or You, you think right. Ring of Honor. right? And now.
1: same with Punishment. Again, he came from Monster Factory. I get it. But it, for, for Ring of Honor's purposes, this is as close to another homegrown guy as they have. Yeah,
0: it'll, give, it'll, give him something. Just let him have something, all right? The Dojo is <laughs> – Brutal Bob is not churning him out, so let him have something, all right? Come on. But, let mean, him have really, Flip and, and Punishment.
1: Nobody heard of Flip Gordon or Punishment Martinez until they came to Ring of Honor anyway. And it's like, um, so I think Martinez needs to win this. He just won the title. He shouldn't lose it this quickly. If he does lose the hangman, I do think it needs to be a feud where they change the title back and forth a few times. But Martinez has to come out on top. I don't trust that Adam Page is going to be around long term. He's mixed up with the fucking Bullet Club and the Elite and New Japan. Punishment's your guy. Okay. Now, if you can get Adam Page under a three year deal, All bets are off. But to me, Flip Gordon and Punishment Martinez are two guys that need to win matches like the ones that they're in on this show. Agree or disagree.
0: Oh, for 100%. They have to, yeah. Punishment has to win and, and Flip has to win for the future of the company. I mean, not that the company's going to go under, but, like, those are guys that you are building towards. Those are guys that you can really – I mean, those other guys do not need wins. Page does not need to win right now, and Bully Ray sure as fuck does not need to win here. So, yeah, Gordon and Martinez should both win, hopefully.
1: You know, the when, the, when those elite contracts run up and those guys moonwalk out the door, you're going to need the Flip Gordons and the Punishment is to be well-built. And to be fair – they are doing that. With at least those two guys, they are. I, I I can't knock the pushes that either one of those guys have received because they've been pushed uh, fairly well. I, I think they have yeah. been. Uh, six-man tag team titles, the kingdom. There's going to be some balloons released, in, released into the air and all this other bullshit, yeah. and they're going to take on uh, LIJ. Uh, Bushi's getting pinned, right? I mean, it's evil Bushi and Sonata. Would it be crazy for LIJ to win the titles? I mean, it, if you have other dates on them, relatively soon, especially if they're going to work the tapings, they could always lose at the tapings, right? So, I mean, I guess it's not an open-and-shut case, but I just see Bushi standing there waiting to get... Like, he's screaming, pin me.
0: Yo, no, he's getting pinned for sure. And and, and I would, yeah, like you're saying, I would... I mean, I would entertain the idea of giving LIJ the titles, but we all know that Bushi's there for the sole purpose of getting pinned, and, and there's no way that, that they're winning that. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they surprise people when they win it. Uh, they don't do a ton with those titles anyway, so I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if LIJ had them, and maybe you know it, it, it took another month or whatever until they defended it. But, yeah, I, I think the keynote are winning, and, and I think Bushi's taking the pin. But we can dream. If they win, no
1: if, they win if, if LIJ wins, they'll probably lose them right back at the taping. Um, right, yeah, the I mean- next
0: day or whatever, the next few days.
1: So then we get to the business end of the card here, the meat of the card. We got the Briscoes against the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. They've had tremendous matches, obviously, over the years. The Briscoes gave me a glimmer of hope. I liked the Rapongi 3K match that you didn't like so much. I thought it was a pretty, uh, uh, you know, it was a good TV main event. I mean, you know, it wasn't a fucking four-star classic, but I thought it was a good TV main event. Um, you know the Bucks are the Bucks. They're not going to go out there and have a bad match. They're definitely not going to go out there and have a bad match against the Briscoes. I don't care how rough of a year the Briscoes have had. I'd be stunned if this match isn't great. Where do you stand?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been pretty down on the Briscoes overall this year. I think the, I, the Roppongi match, I, 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 didn't, I won't say I didn't like it. I, I enjoyed that match a little bit, and maybe I didn't like it nearly as much as you did, but I enjoyed it a little bit. But overall, though, the Briscoes, I think for the last year or so, specifically the 2018, I think they've been pretty down. But man, the Bucks are on fire right now, so I have no doubt that this match is going to rock. And this is my circled star, this is going to be your match of the night, I think. There's no doubt in my mind that this is your match of the night when it's all done.
1: Oh, I'd be stunned if it's not the best match of the night. I, I, I'd, be, yeah, I'd i mean, be yeah. I don't see any it's other lethal.
0: contenders, to be honest, yeah. Kushida Lethal, maybe, uh, if they, you know, it is for the best in the world, after all. Yeah. But, like, you know, that one, maybe. But, yeah, I think the Briscoes and the Bucks are, like, if I was a betting man, I mean, I'd put almost everything on that.
1: Because this match is going to be loaded with storyline stuff. It's going to be uh, uh, Dalton Castle defending. By the way, Dalton Castle's the champion. Did you know that? Because he's kind of. No, like, I didn't,
0: but that's interesting. Interesting fun facts there, Joe. Thank you. you. You
1: wouldn't even know it. I mean, you might as well just do Cody versus Marty here. I'd be stunned if if Castle retains. Uh, I think the smart play is putting it back on Cody. Um, of course, you may not want Cody doing another job as your world champion to the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, uh, like he did last time to Okada, and like he would obviously do to Omega. Uh, coming up in Cow Palace. So, but it, 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 look, it's obvious Ring of Honor doesn't care about such things. They already let him lose once in the same exact scenario. So I would just go back to Cody. Um, but clearly this match is all about the Cody and Skrull. Will they get along? Will they not get along dynamic? Uh, obviously at some point in the match they will turn on each other and I think it will come down to them. Cody said it on our media call the other day and he said it in storyline fashion but I think there was a hint of, uh, uh, like, I don't know, I think he kind of meant it for real as well to some extent. He said the Dalton Castle experiment has not worked out. He said that in character, but in reality, that's the truth. It hasn't worked out. Mm -hmm. It was the right move to go to Castle. He was their hottest previous, quote-unquote, again, not technically homegrown, but homegrown guy, guy that they built up themselves, like they're doing with Gordon and Martinez now but it just hasn't worked out. He's been completely overshadowed by the Bullet Club stuff. So fuck it. Just put the fucking title back on the Bullet Club and, and, you know, let Castle recharge his batteries and maybe you could try again later with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mortal lock that that Castle's not involved. I mean, Castle's not retaining. I think that that is a mortal lock. It's between Cody and Skrull. I I initially, a few weeks ago, was all on the Cody bandwagon. I still think that he's probably going to win, but I think there's an outside chance that Skrull could possibly win. But I think if you look at what's coming up in the summer and you look at the matches that are coming up, I think the best, the ideal the the easy play here is to have Cody win. Uh, Cody is your champion, Cody's the ROH champion, going into all in, going into Kyle Palace, going into these I mean, that's that's a big guy that you want to have the title on. And like I said, he's the hottest guy in the company. You could justify the Marty Scroll thing, because I think that would be fun. But I think if 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 the smart play to me for the most publicity, the most eyes on your belt, the most, you know, prestige to your belt is Cody, you know, wins it and Cody has it, you know, for the out the summer and, and, and into the fall. Uh, as well, I think is is going to be the best bet there. So I think that that Cody's the heavy favorite. I think Skrull's somewhat of a favorite, and I'd put Dalton Castle to zero. I have no chance in hell that Dalton Castle retains this
1: title. So basically, go bet all your money on Marty on uh, Dalton Castle because we're telling you that
0: because <laughs> right, I might be. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, would it, would, it, it would stun me if, Mar- if 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 Dalton Castle was still the champion. Yeah, I
1: re- it really would. I, I don't see unless it's just a deal where Cody and Skrull just self destruct each other and Castle. Uh, right, or they have the bigger other. things to
0: do, and they don't need the titles, and they assume that Dalton needs it because he. But I don't, I don't know that he really needs a title either. It's just been, a yeah, it's been a flop. And but and
1: I can't see splitting. Both those guys are better. I can't see splitting Cody and Skrull yet either. I mean, I suppose you could do the same kind of thing they've done with Cody and Omega, and Cody and and some of the other Bullet Club things. But then they, in the end, they all end up back together. But I don't know. It just makes too much sense to put the title on one of those two guys. So For that's sure. ROH best in the world. That's coming up. Uh, you know, in uh, about a week and a half. So, and I'm sure we'll, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure I, I I hope to review it here, but who knows?
0: All right, Joe, that is it for this week's show. We covered a lot of topics here and did it in a, uh, pretty succinct amount of time, so go us. Anyway, uh, voicewrestling.com voice slash forums, com at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Also make sure, uh, whatever podcast app you use, make sure you're subscribed to not only the Voice Wrestling flagship, but the rest of our great podcasts on the Voice Wrestling uh, podcast network. Make sure you give us reviews as well, ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, if you shop on Amazon, voicewrestling.com slash Amazon, it helps us out tremendously. And of course, if you want more uh, bonus Joe and Rich, including Joe's TV reviews, uh, so hopefully some upcoming uh, Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other, some other good stuff uh, throughout the month uh patreon.com slash voices wrestling or uh voices of wrestling.com slash patreon that's our subscriber tier we got two dollar tier a five dollar tier gets you great stuff for both uh tv reviews the overrun all the other stuff we do q a's interviews all the other good stuff is going to be on that patreon.com slash voice of wrestling also voices wrestling.com slash patreon anyway for Joe Lanza, i'm rich and we'll see you next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care
1: In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new, shiny star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.